Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. I'm Nick. And I'm Lance. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching recently. We're going to discuss some film news from the past month and a half. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a while. <laughs> and uh, we're going to do a full film review and then get into some food for thought, probably provided by Willie, although we haven't discussed this yet. But this week our full review is Peter Jackson's The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Oh. <laughs> so uh, let's start it off with what we've been watching. What about you, Willie? Um, I'm on documentary kick again. <laughs> it Werner happens. Herzog exclusively. It happens. No, not Werner this time. No, like uh, entertainment industry docs. Okay. So I did People vs. George Lucas, which was it was pretty good. It's interesting. It's good. I mean, it's a little dated now because it, watching it now is weird with what just happened with the Disney yeah. purchase because they're talking about how like he really needs to hand it off to a new generation of filmmakers and it's like that just happened so <laughs> it's a little surreal watching it now but yeah. it was good I mean it's well made it, ultimately I'm not sure what it's trying to prove or say but I don't know um, and I watched Indie Game the movie which was awesome agreed. really good agreed um, pretty incredible I, I, I feel like that should be a TV series it would be interesting. I would honestly watch that show. If if there was a reality show about like a small indie game developer, if you followed a different developer through each season yeah. and like focused on them trying to get their game out there, it could make for some interesting TV. Well, they do... Indie Game the Movie was originally a Kickstarter project. Okay. And they got a crap load of money. Like, mm-hmm. more than they wanted in the first place. Okay. And so... They ended up with a ton of extra footage, and if you buy the $70 collector's edition Blu-ray off of their website, they basically have enough material for like three or four more documentaries on it, with wow. like completely different teams that were working on different Interesting. indie games. Interesting. Yeah, I guess so. I, I got kind of psyched because you would introduce me to Showrunners, which is that Kickstarter Yeah. about the TV showrunners and... Like every showrunner that ever has had a TV show that you've watched is yeah. basically... Yeah. And, and, and I was like, you them. know, I kind of want to watch Indie Game now because it's in a similar vein, yeah. you know. So I've been watching a lot of those, and then I've, I've got a couple others in my my newly acquired Netflix membership yeah. just waiting in my instant queue to be watched. So Good stuff. So Nick, I've just, been, Nick just threw up the horns for me on that one. <laughs> I've been meaning to watch um, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, but I haven't gotten around to yeah, it Yeah, me yet. too. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Nick, what about you? Well, I... Uh, cracked into my blu-ray backlog a little bit yeah. and i got through jaws and i watched children of men and i watched the dark knight rises again and i think that's the most noteworthy how does jaws look on blu-ray jaws looks gorgeous on blu-ray does it it's good awesome i would always expect fun, nothing less always a fun movie to, re- to rewatch. um yeah and children again, of men still hold up beautiful yes awesome Let's movie <laughs> Lance likes where we're headed with Children of Men here. Yeah. Uh, as do I. Yeah, it's uh, it once again reminded me watching it. I was like, this movie's in my top ten movies of all time. It's, it's just, a great movie. It's so good, and and all of the camera work in it is just insanely badass. It's just it's so good. There's so much. The scene in the in the car when they're in the woods is just mind blowing. Oh, every yeah. time I watch it. Oh yeah. And the long take uh, war scene, of course, always gets my rocks off. Mm-hmm. Um. I've been keeping up on CW's Arrow, of course. Good. It's awesome. It's gone. It's gone into full blown good show now. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. It's actually good. Legitimately, now? it's a good show. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'll it, probably pick it up when I actually have spare time. There's no longer any happens. source music. 
Uh, Whoa. <laughs> the, the, the steamy factor's been scaled back a little bit in All favor right. of some actual interesting character development. Okay. Uh, it's good. It's getting good. It really is. Um, I no longer am just watching it to, for the lols <laughs> every week. <laughs> now I'm watching it because I'm like, oh, oh no. You're Tuesday, maybe? Maybe? <laughs> is, is it really that the show's gotten better or have you just stooped to the level of <laughs> CW Zero? No. Anyone who knows me knows I don't stoop to any levels. <laughs> uh, no, it, it is getting good. It really is. I mean, I'm sure if I went back and watched the pilot again now, I'd be like, this shit is so silly. Yeah. Um, okay. No, it is getting good. And then I also cracked into the numerous series of Star Treks that are available on Netflix. I watched about three or maybe four episodes of each iteration. Okay. Except for the original series, which I cannot watch. Oh. It's just... It's so good. It's so dated, I can't it's do it. It's so good. It's not easy it. to watch, but... It's not. It's but. bad. <laughs> I mean, like, the dialogue is so bad, and it's... Which one did you think was bad. the coolest? Uh, the Next Generation is really, really good, mm-hmm. and Deep Space Nine is really, really good. Which one's Deep Space Nine? I'm not Star Trek. It's the one where they get lost, right? Is that the one where they're well, lost? Who's the captain? No, That'll it's... Um, Janeway? No, it's, uh... Cisco? Black dude, Cisco, yeah. Cisco, yeah. yeah. Not, not Cisco, Cisco the rapper. His, Cisco, he's yeah. Captain Cisco, yes. Yeah, that would have been, ooh, that been interesting. That thong song Star Trek music <laughs> yeah. video was really strange. No, the pilot episode of Deep Space Nine alone, I was like, wow. It deals with some really heavy stuff. Is that the one where they are lost? Like they No. Isn't, is that Voyager? Is that Bacula? That no, Bacula. that's that's Enterprise. Enterprise. Okay. That's not the one Voyager where they Voyager is the one with the female captain. It's probably Voyager. I think it's Voyager. Okay. Anyway. Deep Space Nine is where they're at... It's the one that they ripped off of Babylon 5, like, completely, <laughs> like, to an insane amount, where it's it's a space station, and the whole mm-hmm. series pretty much takes There's place. There's, like, a guy with a, that owns a bar and stuff in yeah, there. Ferengi, yeah, I remember that. The Ferengi, what's his name? Quark. Quark, yeah. Garth Marenghi. <laughs> yeah. <I was> kind <laughs> no, uh, Deep Space Nine is really cool, though. Next Generation is definitely awesome to see Patrick Stewart as just full-blown badass. He's really, really good. If you want to borrow my copy of uh, Deep Space Nine on Sega Genesis, I'll let you. <laughs> you can play a Cisco. Already bought it on eBay. It's pretty good. We, uh, What we really need to do is sit down and watch Space Seed from Season 2 of the original series, and then watch Wrath of Khan. Yeah. That needs to happen. Especially before the new Star Trek, since apparently Benedict Cumberbatch may be Khan. Maybe. I, kinda, I think I he's actually, uh, he's, well, maybe we can talk about, we'll talk about that when we get to Star Trek. Yeah. News, but I Well, I mean, it's rumored and everybody's being coy about whoever he, I know absolutely nothing about it because I haven't even watched the trailers, but. I saw the one trailer with, uh, we should have a segment of the show just called Trailer Park where we talk about whatever trailers we watched. But, uh, <laughs> where I exit the room. Where, where Alex <laughs> is silent. Well, but the reason the reason I started watching some of the Star Treks was because I was curious about because the movie's coming out and so many diehard Star Trek fans are like the movies suck they don't have any of the same spirit of exploration or any. Oh of that. yeah, I thought that was something that was good about the movie was that it kind of went. I think it's back. fine that it's yeah. refresh. I think it's probably refreshing, but I I think they're both fine for whatever they are. I mean, I'm enjoying the series. I like that the every episode starts with like them being like. Like, Next Generation is very... You can just watch any episode. You don't need to have... There's no real major arcs, whereas in Deep Space Nine, I think there are. See, the difference is you guys... Would you guys call yourself mainly, like, Star Wars people? Yeah, I'd say so if I had to By default, yeah. Yeah, 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 if I had to... Like wipe one from existence would be Star Trek. But they're so. <laughs> no, no, that's not meaning I don't like Star my, Trek. But... <laughs> my my uncle is probably much more of a Star Trek person, and he saw J.J. Abrams' Star Trek, and he was like, "It was horrible." 
It was honestly the worst of any horrible. Star Trek thing that yeah, I've see, ever seen. It's, not what you... it's horrible to him yeah. because they completely abandoned any sort of like scientific fact, which is what the show was based on. Exactly. That's that the roots of the show is like this is where we could be by this time in the future. And that's cool, but I don't know. That's what I like about Star Trek, the seri- all the various series is it's it's about man has already basically more or less achieved the status of they're now the perfect race. Like they're kind of they kind of hint to the fact that They've perfected violence and like starvation, yeah. and now they're just going out into the universe to see what's out there. They're kind of like Lewis and Clarking it with, with space. Yeah, and uh, I think that that's fun to watch. It's fun to watch every week. Like tune in this week as Picard runs afoul of some whatever pirates on the whatever system. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of it's fun to watch. It's not like Star Wars where it's this story about these Sweeping particular group epic, of people. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's yeah exactly. No, I think I think that there's. I'm one of those people, I don't understand why you have to... It happens often with Star Trek and Star Wars for some reason, but it's like you have to like one or the other. I mean, I don't... I've watched more Star Wars in my life than Star Trek, for sure. I will say that Star Trek is way nerdier than Star Wars. Like, (laughs) when I watch it, I'm... When I like love it, I'm like, God, I'm such a nerd. Like, when I'm watching it, because I love everything they talk about. You feel guilty enjoying it almost. Not guilty. I just I, I totally recognize that the why the average person is like wow Star Trekkies. Too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Star I started Wars is out much more palatable. Like I was certainly easier. a Star Wars person for a long time, mm-hmm. and then I sat down and watched like the whole string of original series movies, and I was like, I probably am more of a Star Trek person if I have to ascribe to one. Yeah. Yeah. Being somebody who's in engineering and is so inspired by science, Star Trek. You know, they both Star Wars and Star Trek achieved such different things. Exactly. But Star Trek is kind of the thing that I would gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Well, and Star Wars is so faith based, whether you want to subscribe to it or not. I mean, yeah. it's all about the Force. Yep. You know, and it's, it's much it's more science fiction. Yeah. I mean, science fiction fantasy. Yeah. It's it's a yeah. Fan, it's a fantasy that takes place in space. It's, yeah. It's a mm-hmm. fantasy film in space. Yeah. I mean, there's there's technology, but there's nothing behind the technology. No. Whereas Star Trek is much more a strict science fiction show. Like, based on technology and, 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 yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Doohan. Space engineers. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good though. I've I've been enjoying watching them. I need to kind of pick one and (laughs) ride with it. I think I've just been kind of shuffling them. You should, you should really, I'd I'd go in chronological order somewhat, but if you really don't think you can sit down and watch original series, try and look up a list of like the 10 best episodes and go through it. That's a good plan. I mean, I I watched, I watched a little bit and it's like, it's, it's cool to watch knowing that it was at the time there was there had never been anything like it yeah. like that was neat but just my 2012 sensibilities have a hard time watching like the really yeah. cheap sets and the horrible costumes yeah and it's hard for me to, to get past the production value i'm sure if i kept plowing ahead but in the meantime i'll just keep watching next generation as a little okay little next generation well, is the one that i've liked the most out of, out of the little bit of it's got a great i mean the the, the characters i'd I remember as a kid when my dad would be watching it, uh, any of the Star Treks, I remember Quark from Deep Space Nine, and I remember Data from Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like Worf, too. Yeah, Worf's yeah, Worf definitely cool. a giant badass, and he's he's in like a few of the series. He kind of jumps around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's mostly a next-gen guy. Yeah, well, that's his main series, and then he, he's like he certainly main... pops up in other yeah, places other ones, a lot. Yeah. Worf but is really cool. Anyway, giant anyway. Star Trek talk. Yeah. Okay. Very I, excited that, for no, Star honestly, Trek we we do need to honestly Maybe what we needs can do to that happen. For a retro view. We could Space do Space Seed and Wrath of Khan, and then finish out the trilogy. Maybe I'm not sure I want to do it before starts. Star Trek Two though, because I don't I don't want to be comparing them. Uh, maybe after. I don't. I don't. I think they're going to be so completely Com- incomparable that it won't even matter. It's I, not no, I don't think he is either. 
I don't even think it's going to be comparable. Really I think don't. it's just I don't know. We'll prior see. knowledge. There is an episode the... that the Benedict Cumberbatch character is based on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard but about that. I would be interested in... Because you basically saw Star Trek, like the, the Abrams Star Trek film before any other Star Trek film. And don't watch the first one because it's horrible. Except, you know, the ending's kind of cool. But it's... No, I don't... Whatever. I've already told you about that one a little bit. I don't know if you remember it, but, um, but honestly, like Space Seed and Wrath of Khan, the whole idea of it all, like reading about the history of it all, like there was this episode Space Seed back in '65, and then in the '80s they were like, we are bringing that one character back to be, you know, and that's kind of what apparently is happening with with the next Star Trek. So can we watch the Troll with Tribbles too? Yes. <sighs> Sweet. Anyway, Lance, Lance, what have you been watching? Well, I saw a very good documentary called The Imposter. Anybody uh, heard of this one? No. Well, this is about a... The Pretender? Yes, kind of <laughs> like that. Um, it's about a Frenchman who um, uh, gets lost in Spain, and then he calls up this family from Texas in the United States and says, I'm your missing son. And he fools them into thinking that he's their actual missing son because the son's been missing for like three years. Okay. What? And the movie interviews everybody involved to kind of figure out what happened and why they were fooled into thinking this. And the guy's actually like a, he's not a professional imposter, but like if this was his life, his job. He'd get by with yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, because he's impersonated like several people. And you like, wow. you, you talk to this guy and, and he's like such a creep. But then you find out some, <laughs> you find out some more stuff about this guy and, um, and about why the sun disappeared, and it's really interesting. It's almost like, like Man on Wire, where they kind of recreate the events, like, mm-hmm. like a dramatization of it. Okay. And so it's like it plays out like a movie, um, rather, very interesting. rather than like you know just interviews. Very and, very interesting. Yeah, and it's beautifully, uh, you know, photographed, um, you know, cinematography wise. Um, and there's a lot of good, lot of good imagery in the film. Like, who is it on Netflix? Who Netflix? directed it? Bart Layton. Okay. Is his name. Thank you. Is is Errol Morris another big? Errol Morris guy? is the guy. He he recreates stuff in documentaries okay. as well. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah, Man on Wire was was another one. Um, Man on Wire is really cool. Yeah, that one's. Yeah, awesome. I've wanted to yeah. watch it for a long time. I never got around to it, but yeah. yeah. And, th- and this was national news, by the way. Like this happened. Um, wow. And. Uh, Back in the 1999, 1997, wow. something like wow. that. Wow, that's crazy. And so it was on like hard copy. It was like one of those unsolved mystery kind of things. <laughs> that's crazy. And then people found out that this guy wasn't, he wasn't their son. And like, like the main thing was like the ears, like this one detective kind of looks at the guy's ears and he's like, those aren't the same ears as the one kid. Cause you can't, ears are like a fingerprint. They don't change. Yeah. 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 So, so that's, but the whole, the family believed it. And I, I think, yeah, the family, wow. like, wow. and they were like, why does our son have like a, like a French accent now, you know, but they were like, well, he Maybe was missing for France. like three years and like, and then like the, the, um, the Frenchman was like, I was part of this whole sex prostitution ring and like, it's just a really intriguing wow. story how, how this happened and it doesn't, it doesn't answer any questions and I think that's what's good about it. Mm-hmm. It kind of just raises the question, you know, what happened Yeah, and then presents play, you with everything. You. Yeah. Right. So you make, you know, your own decision. About it. There's no, cool. there's, yeah, there's no like definitive ending to yeah. it. So. I always prefer documentaries that not necessarily there's no closure per se, but that they at least let you make up your mind as to 
why he would do that or yeah. you know yeah. I prefer that I don't want to be beaten over the head with this is what with you should someone's be thinking opinion. Mm-hmm. yeah and that's why I'm not nuts about the Michael Moore stuff yeah because I think that he's he's I think he's a great filmmaker I think he can put together an interesting movie and like they're always really entertaining but he makes no he doesn't make any effort to show you anything more than what he wants yeah. to show you so right. it's about yeah it's about both sides and, yeah yeah and you kind of see it from both sides here and I'll say the last shot is incredible in this film. So yeah. once you see it, just call me up. <laughs> I will. Let me know. <laughs> Dude, you were right. All right. You're totally yeah. right. Yeah. Have we all seen season one of Mad Men? No. I have not. Yes, I have. I own it on Blu-ray. It's been sitting there. All right, we'll talk. Season one of Mad Men. Okay, <laughs> you guys discuss. It ties into what you're talking about. Okay, all right. You know what I'm saying? Season one of Hitting It? Finale of season one or the, the finale of the first episode never mind the finale of the first episode the last shot's awesome yeah no I'm not I'm not oh. talking about last shots I'm oh, okay. talking about never mind okay. I was okay. like we'll right, we'll talk. I was talking about themes <laughs> yes okay um I don't really remember what I've been watching <laughs> I watched something you're watching the days of the week go by at your new job basically yeah um XCOM <laughs> haven't been playing much XCOM I've watched Metal Gear Solid. I watched myself play Metal Gear Solid. There you go. Uh, last thing I really remember watching was Men in Black 3, which I was going to bring up last time. It surprised the hell out of me. I've heard nothing way, but positive things. Way better than I ever could have expected. We all thought it was going to be a train wreck, too. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I remember seeing the, the trailer, and I was like, I would see that. But I, did, I wasn't expecting it to be any good. I was like, okay, they're cashing in on a third movie. Josh Brolin does an awesome time in Lee Jones, and that's about it. And he still does an awesome time in Lee Jones, but the movie's really good on top of that. Yeah. So, uh, we we saw Killing Them Softly. I don't know how much we want to say about that. Um, I thought it was good. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't. It's not one of my favorite movies of the year, but I thought it was good. It was a letdown. It's it a letdown good. only because of the talent behind it. If it was anybody else, I think it would have been fine. Okay. I was thinking about it. How the movie's supposed to be like two and a half hours long? Yeah. That was on Wikipedia. It said like the first cut was two and a half hours long, but you really can't add much to what the movie that you saw because the movie was pretty tight. Yeah, and you know it finished all of its like things it had to do. I think uh, I think so. if you took a little away from it, it not it, not it not yeah, scene wise, but like yeah. uh, theme wise. Yeah, yeah, theme wise was heavy. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would be down to watch a two and a half hour version if it made it. Time's up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> you would watch it if it surfaced. Yeah, if it uh, if it surfaced, I'd watch it out of curiosity to see if it's any better. I mean, I really was not very satisfied with it. Compared to what I've seen him do in the past, it definitely didn't live up. So, okay. yeah, whatever. All right, um, we'll move into some movie news. So, this story's a little up in the air. There's a lot of weird information out about it. Uh, Sir Ian McKellen came out and said, I'm very excited that I'm going to be in the new X-Men movie that Brian Singer is directing, the sequel to X-Men First Class. And uh, people took that as uh, Patrick Stewart was also signed on for it, but apparently neither of them are officially signed on for X-Men Days of Future Past. Didn't Brian Singer tweet, though, that he's excited to have them both Yeah, he was the one that, that I think, after McKellen made a comment about it, I think yes. Singer was like, hey, I guess I can announce And this. then Patrick Stewart came out and was like, I have not signed a damn thing. 
Yeah, he didn't. I mean, I don't think he. He. It's not like he was opposed to it, yeah. but he was basically just like, I, "You got me." I hate. This right. is the first time hearing of it. So, um, Hugh Jackman is apparently also in talks. And the implications of it being here that the the cast of First Class being Michael Fassbender, James McAvoy, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Nicholas Holt, and maybe a few of the other ones. Uh, would be appearing in the movie alongside the people that we know from Brian Singer's original three X-Men movies. Two X-Men movies, excuse me. <laughs> Don't credit him with that third one. <laughs> yeah. So, um, do we want to talk about maybe the implications of what that could mean plot-wise? I do. I mean, I'll say up front what I, was, what I wanted out of another X-Men first-class sequel would have been distance from all of Brian Singer's previous <laughs> movies. Not, the that, opposite of not that I don't enjoy them, but mm-hmm. I was like, First Class would have been even more brilliant if they were like, total reboot, let's go to the original First Class like cast. But it was confused about what it wanted to be to begin with. Yes, and I think most of that was Fox being like, throw in that Re- Rebecca Romaine thing. Well, that, who cares about that? But mm-hmm. throw the, Hugh in the, thing. the Hugh Jackman cameo and you know all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So, okay, Willie, what what do you want to say? What do you want to say on this? Well, I mean, like, w- when it comes to being confused about First Class, which we all talked about this when it came out, we were all like, what is this? Is this a sequel? Yeah. Is this a reboot? We all um, liked it. Oh, yeah, we all liked yeah. it. Yeah, yeah but good. that was the one thing, that one nagging thing. I'm like, what is, what are you? <laughs> what are you? <laughs> what? Um, what is that? But I think now that maybe with the, the, the two casts coming together in a movie, it might make more sense as to why they were confused. I don't know if this is the master plan all along, but I don't no. know. Probably not. <laughs> no, probably not. But anyway, um, this is a smart way We're for gonna them to... We're going to make two really good movies and one really bad movie and then another somewhat good movie and then the next one is going to no, tie no. it all together. I don't mean the master plan since X-Men 1. I mean since first class. I know. I'm just... <laughs> Jerk. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, since um, since it's kind of confused, now this will make more sense if, if they do it in the sense of it's, it's two timelines. The singer timeline is one timeline. The um, first class timeline is another, and you could have, I, I guess, the first class cast either move forward in time or whatever, or move into this different timeline, and you could see what happened to Singer's time. This is going to get sound really confusing because time travel voices. <laughs> you could see what happened to the timeline front with Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart and whatnot. <laughs> you know, you like a, yeah. So you could, brilliant. in a way, you could kind of, you could close the book on. The original era of X-Men. So, well, maybe this is even, like, playing with the... Brian Singer was like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to basically say, here's what I wanted to happen in X-Men 3. Mm -hmm. Because it's supposed to be a different timeline. Mm -hmm. Maybe he'll be like, you know, Phoenix showed up and Cyclops didn't die. and What's supposed to be a different timeline? Well, like, the Days of Future Past thing is, like, it's some sort of future dystopian timeline where yeah. Sentinels, I don't know, you guys In know the comics, it was... Well, it's yeah. not really a different timeline so much as it's the future. It's a possible future. Yeah. Okay. And they're trying to figure out what they can do, too. But I think it would be cool if, I mean, it's, I want Marsden back, for sure, I want Cyclops back, but I think it would be cool to to have X-Men 3 have happened. I know I don't like X-Men 3. <laughs> yeah. But it, but I don't want them to just say X-Men 3 never happened because it's a cop-out. Like well, you, even X-Men 3 undid itself, though. 
Like at the end, Magneto's like, yeah. No, what I mean, like Cyclops <laughs> died, and Xavier's in some other body and stuff like that. But I think in this one, you could have them have the first class group show up and have the world be all torn apart and stuff. And you and Cyclops could be back, and I'd just be like, okay, something must have happened. Cyclops is back, whatever. I don't even care if there's an explanation. I would love to see Cyclops. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is I don't, I don't care. Like, oh, there he is. Cool. There he is. Something <laughs> must have happened. Yeah, he didn't die. He's good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whatever. At this point, who cares? Just make it good. Yeah, and and Alan Cummings said he wants to come back, so no. please. <clears throat> well, that, that that would be welcome. No, I'd, I'd be cool with it. That. Absolutely not. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I would love for Nightcrawler to return. Let's throw J.K. Simmons in there as J. John Jameson. <laughs> what? <laughs> I do not want Alan Cummings to return. I would. I want to recast with Nightcrawler. <laughs> Definitely. Not a fan. It's no. the incredible Nightcrawler. Anyway. He was okay. I just hated the direction they took his Nightcrawler in, so yeah, it sullied for me. All I know is I want some Cable, for sure. <laughs> I'll take Bishop too. How sad will you be if you get Bishop but no Cable? They'll just be saving him up for <laughs> his eventual movie with Deadpool. I love your your love of Cable. It makes me so happy. Love Cable. All right. What is not as soon as you as soon as you've read like a little bit of Cable in comics, you're like, how is this not the most popular comic book character ever? He's <laughs> so awesome. He's so awesome. Okay, on to more Marvel news. More non-Marvel Marvel news. Uh, Dane DeHaan of Chronicle fame was cast as Harry Osborn, and Jamie Foxx of the Jamie Foxx show was cast as Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, You're still saving your phone, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Do not look behind the curtain. Um, so... Okay, yeah, rumors came up a little while back that Jamie Foxx was was in talks for Electro. <laughs> and uh I'm not opposed to it. I don't have any particular uh connection to Electro in the first place, but and Dane DeHaan as as Harry Osborn is good for me. I mean, he was yeah, like he was pretty Chronicle. good in Chronicle. Yeah. He was Chronicle he was pretty uh Still haven't seen Chronicle. Pretty unhinged in Chronicle for the most part. Yeah. So, and I think that that Harry Osborn. So he was the kid who goes all Akira. Yes. yes. Okay. He's very much yeah, mm-hmm. very much the Akira kid. Um, but I think that like Harry Osborn in the comics and whatnot dealt with a lot of daddy issues and mm-hmm. and drug problems and all sorts of, mm-hmm. all sorts of craziness. Not that they're going to touch upon all that, but yeah, I think he can he can bring that. That kind Why of. Not? <laughs> I want the movie to open with a heroin needle in his arm. <laughs> you want the movie to be blow with him? That's Harry Osborn. Yes. Um, no, uh, yeah, no, I, I think he's a good choice. Jamie Foxx, I like Jamie Foxx. Um, I have nothing against the guy. Yeah. It's weird. I don't, I don't get it yet, but I think I will. Yeah. Hopefully. Once we see more of it. Yeah. So. He's right. a good actor. He's a damn fine actor, but I don't really like him. But I'm sure he'll be good. His work in the Jamie Foxx show is just so good. Unparalleled. So good. And I like I like what he said about the Electro character too. Um, you mean him. when he called him by the wrong name? Yeah. He called <laughs> no, him I, by the name of a. Uh, didn't hear Matt that. Dylan of Matt. Drugstore Cowboy fame. Ooh, ooh, wild things. <laughs> um, he called. He referred to him as Matt Dillon. That's yeah. funny. Um, no, but oh. he said um, he said that the the idea behind his character is that he's he's kind of working for a company. I'm assuming Oscorp. And he's underappreciated. Nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows his name. Nobody asks him how he's doing. He's basically a bum, kind of, sort of. And he, somehow he comes across Peter Parker, and they become kind of friendly. And 
and Spider-Man takes him, says, you know, you're going to be my eyes on the street or something like that. So he thinks he's like Spider-Man's sidekick and then something horrible happens and he winds up becoming that. twisted. That sounds interesting to me. That they're going to start him off on kind of like a wannabe heroic path, but he's going to fall into like... Paul Harvey Dent. Yeah. Is it like... Does this happen a lot in Spider-Man comics where his enemies start out as friends? Yes. Not, no, maybe not even necessarily friends, but good guys. Frequently they're good guys gone bad. Oh, absolutely. I mean, clearly, like clearly, that. you know, Norman Osborn, Kurt Connors, Dr. Octopus. It's a really common thread, though, with Peter Parker. He's always... Spider-Man's personal life is like the worst one of any superhero in Marvel's yeah. universe. Oh yeah, if, he's if you're a Peter Parker family member, you're probably going to be dead yeah. or. And he's continually finding finding people who can fill that Uncle Ben role, yeah. and then they become bad guys, and he has to <laughs> or die. Yeah, and he has to like man up and like fight them or try to. That's what makes the character so great, though, is he's always optimistic. How he's many father figures does he lose in the first movie alone? He's always overcoming. It. <laughs> Four. <laughs> in one movie. Yeah. Poor kid. Yeah. Anyway, it could be really good. I hope it's really good. I, I have high hopes for it now. I'm. Uh, I have my reservations on the order of Sony not letting Mark Webb do what he wanted to do, but we'll see how it plays out in this one. Do you think they're going to introduce Norman in this one? Yeah, I do too. I don't think it's be. A, I don't think it's be a huge role, but I think he'll be in it. He'll pop up because they'll set him up for the Christoph third Waltz. one. <coughs> Michael Massey. Mm-mm. <laughs> Christoph Waltz. <laughs> Michael Massey of the man who killed Brandon Lee. Oh, yeah. no. Don't do that. <laughs> he felt really bad about I that. Know, I know, Dude. I know. I was like... <laughs> he felt really bad about that. <laughs> I wasn't born when that happened. That's how old. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Oh, man. Sorry, Michael Massey. I yeah, know you're listening out there. Second of the day. He didn't mean to. <laughs> We know that. We were talking about the crow. We were talking. What's your favorite movie? The crow. The crow. <laughs> That's stupid. I was listening to to John Hodgman on the Nerdist podcast earlier, and they brought up the crow too. So this I do is not weird. Like the crow. I do like the crow. It's been a long Lance, time since I watched. I it, haven't seen it in a long. I like long Ernie time. Hudson in the okay. crow. So I have to watch it again. Ernie Hudson like is so endearing Mark in that Wahlberg movie; crow. it's insane. Mark Wahlberg crow. Wait, he's gonna put him on every reboot. He was gonna be. All right, crow. let's move on before okay. we get to the crow. Um. Okay, we'll save the best one for last. So, crow. more more non-Marvel Marvel <laughs> news again. Time. Josh Trank of Chronicle fame once again is uh, his Fantastic Four reboot is sent is set for 2015. So excited! Oh, you Josh are Trank. okay. I didn't know what that was. Guy from Chronicle, he's, the director. he's he's oh, the director. Oh, hey. Of Chronicle. Hey. <laughs> hey. I can do anything. So so we haven't seen a Fantastic Four movie since ever. True. And um, the first, the okay, the first one is not. It's not as a bad total as people. Piece of crap. Yeah. It has its moments for sure. It is incredibly dated. I oh mean, yeah. Incredibly. Like, there's a some forty one song in that movie. Tim Story should never direct a movie again. That's for sure. He, <laughs> he struck out. Of them too, he struck he? out twice. Yeah. He's yeah. not struck good. The fuck out. <laughs> oh, he's man. not good. on the second one. <laughs> he uh, struck the. The second one is so bad. Yeah, it is. Okay. It's it's not it's good. Un- and, like if you put that and Wolverine on like a shit measurement scale, probably Silver Surfer. Wolverine's goes. a little worse, I think. Uh, well, I, I think I would rather watch Wolverine though. Wolverine. Weirdly enough, yeah. I, I think it's a worse movie, yeah. but I think I'd rather watch it. I, yeah. I, I, I guess I would agree with that. Anyway, yeah, Trank. 
So that's happening. Not what was the other story. movie he was? Oh, Venom. He was rumored for. Yeah, but what he's rumored he, for like thirty. He pro- he's another David Fincher and Guillermo del Toro in the making with all I the projects awesome they threw at these, him. These young guys are coming up and they're directing like one movie that's awesome. And then people and are then, like, "Oh my god, you're amazing!" And then the studios are actually saying, "Oh yeah, here's more. Yeah, have more." Like that's uh, why we're getting quality Gareth, Gareth Edwards with uh, Godzilla. Yeah. After making monsters, that's sweet. That's why we're getting quality uh, genre movies man. again. Blomkamp. We are. Neil Blomkamp. Yeah, for sure. Because he's not see success with these guys, and they realize like, let these guys do what they're gonna do, and then yeah. you're probably gonna have a winner on your hands. I, mean, I think some of that. Out, some of that is uh, other directors, a la Peter Jackson and yeah. the Neil Blom- Blomkamp thing, being like, this guy can do stuff, let him do it. Oh, for them. sure, yeah. for sure. Which, no, that's part of it. If yeah. that's how it has to happen, then that's cool. But there is one that might backfire, though. It's the Evil Dead remake. That that guy. Jose Padilla. Yeah. We've, we've no, talked no, about that a little bit. Who's doing? The guy, uh, the guy who did the evil is doing the Evil Dead remake. Made like a five minute short. Okay. With like robots. Isn't it like Alexander Ajda? No. No, but, no that's. I'll bodies. tell you in two yeah. seconds. But like, yeah. I don't think making a five minute movie about robots is gonna is gonna warrant an Evil Dead remake. <laughs> you know, Although the, the trailer Alvarez. looks, yeah, yeah the yeah. trailer is pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I mean, it, is, it looks genuinely If, if scary the movie and, can match up to yeah. what we've seen in the trailer, it's going to be yeah. insane. <laughs> the part, like, it's probably not going to be as campy. Obviously, no. not as campy. But, I don't know. With the Evil Dead series, I mean, isn't it supposed to be a little campy? With Bruce Campbell, it's campy. Well, I think it's interesting because the, the original Evil Dead, I don't think, was meant to be campy. I think no. it just was so low budget, it looked mm-hmm. campy. Okay. I think it was meant to be a straight horror and movie. They and they embraced just, it. And then they were like, you know Evil what? This is too much fun. Let Bruce Campbell do his thing, and mm-hmm. we've got a winner. I think with with Fetty, uh, it'll be okay because I know he, he was handpicked by by Raimi and Bruce. Mm-hmm. So, and if you have Raimi, Raimi's probably was on set all the time and just being like, "Don't don't do that, do this." He probably yeah, he was probably there most of the time. And Bruce Bruce was probably there hanging out when he wasn't doing burn notice and when Sam wasn't working on Oz. When he wasn't wearing Hawaiian shirts on the set of Boone Nose. Being awesome. Unbuttoned. Okay. (laughs) So back on the topic of the news. Can can we tell we haven't done this in like a month? (laughs) Who who cares about Fantastic Four movie? Um, I do. I do. Since I started reading the Hickman series, the potential is just mind-blowing. Fantastic Four is Fox, right? Yes. Yeah. I don't want Doom Doom in the first movie. This will be part of the Fox Cinematic Universe Phase one, yes. With Mark Millar in charge. With uh, X Men: First Class, X Men: Days of Future Past, Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. and uh, all the other X Men movies. Probably Kick Ass Two somehow. <laughs> it's a shame. It's the Fantastic Four. It's a real shame they're not in with the rest of the Marvel stuff because it'd be it really, really is. cool to see. It would lend itself over. so well yeah. to the rest of the yeah, more than any other superhero or anything that's underneath another studio. And I think, I think Fantastic Four would fit the best. In the right hands, it could be an oh, awesome movie. It could be fantastic. They need to make it super, it super sciency be, and super... Uh, <laughs> that was totally unintentional. For sure. I didn't get to do my joke. Anyway, I'm sure Jamie Foxx's performance in The, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 is going to be electrifying. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, moving on. Okay. It was good. Finally, the most important news Whoa, of all. We are not done with Fantastic Four. Oh, okay. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Okay, okay now we're done. I, I don't. I don't think Pause. Doom should be the villain in the we'll first be... one. 
if he's in it, he needs to be a string puller and save him for the second one to get people psyched up. I think that worked for Batman Begins. You don't have you don't show your full hand yeah. right away. You you build. You know what I mean? Same with G.I. Joe, which, which is a, probably a weird example, but <laughs> but no. <laughs> but uh you know, you didn't really see the true Cobra Commander in, in G.I. Joe. Spoiler alert. I uh, it's old I enough. Um, I'm <laughs> down with Doom showing up, like Victor Von Doom. I don't want him to be the main villain, though. No, yeah, yeah I understand. The problem with Fantastic Four is they really, as great as the comics can be, they don't have a lot of yeah. Mole Man. Dude, imagine how epic it would be for them to take some sort of subterranean drill and go under no, New York. I'm totally down. And fight mole people. <laughs> it's I amazing. Know, I don't know if that's a good choice for movie one, though. No, well, totally down. The Mole Man, yeah. the mole man well, stuff yeah. in the comic was cool, and the Mole Man episode of the pretty cheesy but awesomely watchable Fantastic Four anime which is on Netflix is pretty sweet but the moment episode is really good are you getting paid by Netflix like do you do we have a sponsorship that I don't know (laughs) as I zip up my my Netflix t-shirt I'm like Subway call me me Netflix (laughs) Uh, no well the, the cool thing about the reason the mole people thing might also be good for a first movie, though, is because Ben Grimm always struggles with his transformation into the thing. Like, it's a classic mm-hmm. early Fantastic Four thing. And yeah. in, the, in the anime episode, when they go down there, uh, they're like, let's get the hell out of here. And the mole guy is like, mole man, I don't remember if it's him or like one of his lieutenants or something. I don't know. Someone says to the thing, they're like, you don't belong up there. You know that. Like, Stay with us. Yeah, they're like, yeah. You, you belong with, like, like we're not bad. We're just different. We're, like, you could you race. could find a way to make the, totally the mole it's people really thing work. Yeah. I mean, you could have it be some sort of guy that already lives by himself under, you know, yeah. abandoned subway systems, and then maybe have uh, Fantastic Four shuttle crash on Earth and some, some other radiation... I mean, yeah, the, the thing people. I don't know. The thing you that's know, important plenty about Fantastic Four is just finding those themes about like the family unit and the thing struggling with his appearance and Johnny Storm struggling not to think it's the most awesome. Struggling thing Struggling with being a douche. <laughs> but it does need to be super sciency and awesome. It should be super sciency. It should. And and if people don't like that, then oh well. And I hope John Hamm plays Mr. Fantastic. He'd be great. It'd be ridiculous <laughs> if he's not going to be Batman. He's got to be Mr. Fantastic. I I am excited for what Josh Trank can do with the movie. I wish that it was under Marvel's helm. Me too. But that bums me. I almost got it too. It's close. They still could. I'm not convinced this movie's gonna come out. No, neither. But who knows? It'd be sweet if Marvel was like, why don't you just uh, delay that a couple more months and then come over to our? (laughs) We made we made a couple billion. Okay, Josh Trank. We made a couple billion dollars last year. You might might have heard of a little movie we did. (laughs) We're also owned by a little company. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. It's called Disney. <laughs> all right. So finally, the best news of all. Kind of. And I'll get <laughs> the to best that. news for Cue you. It Cue it up. <laughs> the best news for for Alex. Yeah, my my favorite news. Should we get a drum roll? No, we can we can uh, we can introduce it this way. <laughs> I got it. <clears throat> yeah, there you go. <laughs> we we have news of Tron Three moving forward. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, we have a writer named Justin Wigato, or. Yeah, I think that's his name. I was supposed to do that research beforehand. <laughs> um, that's what makes me a little worried. This dude hasn't written anything. Yeah. Anything. He, but it's not likely to be final shooting script. I'm sure they'll pull in at least another two writers to were, take a look were at Were Kitsis and Horowitz working on it, too? They have an outline. Time's up. Next. All Next. right. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> K- 
Kitson... work for Tron or something? <laughs> <laughs> Kitsis and Horowitz um, made an outline. They had an idea as to where they wanted to go, and I think it's been sitting there at Disney for the past year or two. And uh, that's that's good. I mean, they're finally least, moving yeah. forward. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff now that uh, Joe Kaczynski's kind of in post production for Oblivion, and we're going to see that movie in April. Um, yeah, we are. Yeah, uh, he's kind of said a few things like, "I don't want to do it unless we have an Empire Strikes Back caliber sequel." Well, he said, he implied something really big. Yeah, he's like, "We want." That the franchise has been tearing on. Yes. Which I think is basically, in my opinion, it is the application of the grid in real world. Because mm-hmm. as of yet, like the first movie, it's just an internet for the office. And in the second movie, it's just kind of Flynn's plaything. But in the third movie, hopefully Sam has been like, uh... What if we see, like... <laughs> what if it's like full-on invasion? Like, what if we see shots of like people in New York... Going like this, and like a recognizer's flying by. <laughs> oh, like, oh my what if, god. What if Clue or Clue's era It's not Clue. It it's clearly going to be Dillinger. What if and, and, somebody and the MCP. unleashes them, yeah, and like we see like the trailer. Picture that exact. I will see nothing in the trailer. Picture that exact recognizer shot, that very first awesome shot. Just in the streets over, of New York. Real New York. Oh. Right? <laughs> Alex is getting extremely excited yeah. over there. Yeah, that'd be pretty pretty ridiculous. It was funny. I was reading through the comments on Slash what Film. What old recognizers? Like the, just <laughs> oh. the slate blue ones? <laughs> oh, really? And the that'd be good. One. Really, really <laughs> cheesy horns for what the soundtrack. What if you had, like, the, uh, you had the Avengers shot, the circle shot, but with Tron, Sam, oh. Kevin, and Quora? You know, getting ready yep. to throw down. Yep. Save New York. Oh, my God. Why did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh... Anyway, yeah, I was I was reading the comments on one of the Slash Film articles that's had Tron stuff in it lately, and one of the guys is like, yeah, maybe they can cover the fact of like how they created matter, matter with Korra coming out of the grid, and I, w- <laughs> I wanted to comment, maybe they could have talked about that in the first movie when they, you know, got rid of matter and right. matter in, in the first thing, and... People, people want to hate Tron like Legacy for dumb reasons, but... Yeah, whatever... They want to hate it like they want to hate John Carter. He is exactly. going to hate for no good reason. Exactly. Hate is going to hate. We must. Not all of it, but it's got good music. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing everyone thinks. Fair enough. I mean, the, or- the orchestral cover of Cashmere for the trailer. Oh, was that it? That was weird. That. That was no, weird. I, don't that. I don't remember that at all. It was weird. I remember, yeah, I remember there was one part where he was fighting all these people and uh, it was like parallel editing with like him bearing. Yeah, like, this is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that mm-hmm. seems really good. Yeah. Can I get a Willa? And Willa, <laughs> exactly. Willa runs and tackles the dude off his Willa, yeah. uh, steed. Willa. All right, we All can right. talk more about John Carter so in, not even in a few watch, weeks. You're not even gonna watch the Tron trailer. If there is one that will make me break it, it will be Tron Three. That being said, I want to try and hold off as long as possible. You didn't even break. I'm not gonna lie. Amazing. You didn't even break for Iron Man three. We can we can talk about this right now. In the past like month, we've gotten trailers for um, Star Trek, Man of Steel, Oblivion, Oblivion, Pacific After Rim. Earth, After Earth, uh, what? Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. I wanted to watch all of those so bad. Like <laughs> I wanted to see the Oblivion trailer so much, but. We should we should watch them you. all right now and watch Alex's reaction. 
I'll tell you. <laughs> Put the laptop. I did not cave on Oblivion. I've still held strong in Oblivion. I have not watched it. Okay. I watched Pacific Rim once. I watched Man of Steel once, and then I saw both of them with The Hobbit. Okay. Based on that, I'm not sold on Pacific Rim yet. I think it has immense potential. Okay. Man of Steel is probably going to be amazing. The trailer is ridiculously good. Willie and I were talking about that, and I I was like, my main concern coming out of even the teaser was like, I don't want Superman pasted into Batman Begins, and Willie was like, that's not that's not what it is. Based on a couple lines of dialogue in the trailer, a couple key lines, it's not going to happen. No, but the the trailer is really sweet because I really don't know still much of what the movie's about what's gonna happen you get it's a it's a really well done trailer it's it's You're not old, gonna make me watch it <laughs> no no i'm not trying to it's uh it's definitely feels like an old school movie trailer though where it gives you a great tease but it doesn't uh it doesn't give away the movie okay i'm more excited for it now though for sure all right we can talk about the trailer for the phantom paint no i'm just kidding um so we're gonna move into <laughs> that's a here. that's a joke for those out there that nobody um yeah We'll move into our full review of The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, directed by Peter Jackson of The Frighteners and the Lovely Bones fame. This is where we queue up our, our rendition of Misty Mountains. <laughs> uh, starring Martin Freeman, Richard Ar- Armitage, uh, Sir Ian McKellen, and a billion other people. Yeah, a lot of dwarves. Um, a lot of dwarves. Lee Pace. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Can't credit him. He's like. For those for those who are anything. listening at home, Nick just uh, mimics riding away on a horse. Oh, uh, reindeer! Thank you. Rain- oh, yeah. <laughs> well, looking incredibly dog. pompous. Yeah. Uh, synopsis here for the Hobbit: uh, A younger and more reluctant Hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, sets out on an unexpected journey to the Lonely Mountain with a spirited group of dwarves to reclaim their un their unstolen their stolen mountain home. <laughs> From a dragon named Smaug. The Smaug. So, um, normally with a movie that's in a series of, of a franchise of some sort, I think we'd talk about what we thought of the previous ones. I think everyone um, knows they're good movies. <clears throat> they're good movies. Does, does anybody here not enjoy the Lord of the Rings trilogy? I enjoy it. Lance okay. Keldean, so he's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people not, not too big on fantasy. Tunes, as they call them. That's so weird. <laughs> That's so Tell us a little more first about... No, I mean, just... They don't... They're not all... They're not into that kind of stuff. I mean, like... They like movies at face value. I guess. It's interesting because I, yeah. I... I'm not trying to say Keldean people aren't deep. Well, no, no. movie-wise. I, I work at... Yeah. I work at a... At a family video. We have a, a very large Keldean clientele. Mm-hmm. And... that. For the most part, they are not nuts on like sci-fi fantasy stuff. They're mm-hmm. they like janky promoters. On the other hand, janky promoters. I don't know why. I no, like out. contraband rented like crazy. Oh, I'm sure. sure contraband. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. with Mark Wahlberg. And like, I bet End of Watch is gonna go off the shelf. Yep. <laughs> yep. End of Watch. <laughs> I heard good things about End of Watch. Oh, End of Watch. Yeah. Is but you're totally great, right. Though, but you know, but no, like but police. They like the they like movies. stuff that takes place in the yeah. real world. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's yeah. very true. So. Not based on Argo. Those guys seem pretty sold on uh, mm-hmm. on those concept drawings. They thought that was the, that those was are awesome. those are yeah. Chaldeans of old, though. Yeah, those. <laughs> it's a movie. But okay, it's not real. <laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, that's so funny. interesting. Though I always like seeing, hearing what different demographics, mm-hmm. what movies they like. Yeah, I mean, just culturally, you're you getting can, dangerously you to, close like, to being racist again. You could talk to like Ukrainian <laughs> Russian people. I have a Ukrainian friend. You have to face this. And, 
and like they like realistic downbeat endings they don't like um you know like same thing lord of the rings i don't think my ukrainian friend would would enjoy it very much i think he'd think it was and not even too long because like there's russian movies that are really long sure and but just the whole the whole thing about do you believe it or not like so like if they can't see it with their own eyes outside i guess they don't sure enjoy that's interesting in a movie theater so. so in the Chaldean market, they should sell The Hobbit as some sort of BBC documentary of the past. <laughs> Probably, yeah. And then you know, you're like, man, this stuff happened niche. like five thousand years ago. No, they should re-envision <laughs> The Hobbit as a film by John Singleton. Yeah. You know, a gritty crime drama <laughs> about a bunch of dudes on a quest to go with Morgan Freeman. Go bust Martin a calf and a dragon. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> this is very interesting. We'll have to continue this conversation yeah, yeah, another could, time. I could, I could write my. We'll do the daily show thing. Like, you got it. you got a few minutes. We'll put yeah. it on the we'll put it on the website. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I suppose we'll start off with. Uh, I know Nick and Willie and I saw it in 3D high frame rate. Okay. Yep. So we all saw it in 3D high frame rate, fake fake IMAX, because Imagine's E3 is supposedly IMAX. Uh, supposedly <laughs> Dolby Atmos. Although I wasn't very... It sounded great. There were certain moments where it sounded insane. I wasn't particularly impressed by it at all, but... but it, I don't know. Where did you guys sit? We were in the center. Center, like, center? Center, center. Yeah. We were up the, near the top, luxury seats. Okay. In the middle. It sounded great back there. Okay. The speakers are like... There great. were moments where I thought it sounded pretty damn cool, but mm-hmm. but not the whole thing. Fair enough. Um. Okay. So... Let's let's, Willie. What do you think about the movie? Um, I liked it. I did. I did. I I didn't like it as much as the, the Lord of the Rings movies. Any of them. But but I love those movies. And I I'm not a huge Tolkien guy. I don't know a ton about the books. I've read like a book and a half. I tried to read a book and a half. Yeah. And I couldn't do it. He just is. It's a very unique style of writing that he employs in storytelling, mm-hmm. and it's not for me. And I just admitted that early on and gave up. <laughs> so, um, that being said, the 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 major faults I could find in The Hobbit as a film are: I don't think this needed to be three movies. I don't. I feel like there's some stuff in this movie that didn't need to be there. Not that it didn't add to the movie, or like not that it was like distracting or took away. But I don't think the runtime on this one was as necessary. Didn't need to be that long. Okay. Um, I think three movies at two hours a piece would have been fine. Like a a crisp two hours or a couple movies at this length would be fine, but yeah. I don't know. Um, so the length bugged me a little bit. The forty eight frames per second thing. Um, the first twenty minutes it was incredibly distracting. There's a scene where they're throwing bowls and stuff, mm-hmm. and it was Oof. really really weirding me out. It it took me about twenty minutes to get used to it. Once I did get used to it, there were only a handful of moments over the course of the movie where I was reminded, "Oh crap, this is." weird looking that's the problem with it it reminds you like it yeah. takes you out of the experience it does even though it is like I'm gonna be one of the people that supports this new technology but mm, me too. it's crystal clear It's it looks really good but then parts of it you're like oh it's you're very distracted <laughs> yeah. this is yeah. different yeah. from what we normally yeah. yeah absolutely so there is that um, I don't hate it as much as some people really hate it or love it as much as some people really love it I I'm indifferent at this point we'll see okay um I thought that the soundtrack, everything was on par with Lord of the Rings. The look and the feel of the, of the film is a little bit lighter in general than the Lord of the Rings movies, which is fitting because The Hobbit was more of a children's book than Lord of the Rings was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, I appreciated that, and I appreciated that he... They filmed all this in New Zealand again, I'm, I'm sure, right? Yep. I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah. I, I appreciated that they, they... Except for stuff with Christopher Lee and Ian Holm. Okay. Well, I the the outdoor environments and whatnot, I, I appreciate the fact that he either shot in different areas or during different times of the year, or it didn't... I didn't see a ton of recycled stuff, yeah. which was really nice. Yeah. You know, um, I particularly liked a scene that takes place in this this uh, kind of wheat, grassy wheat field, and it's got this really auburn look to it, like all the grass and yeah. stuff, the blades. It looked so sweet. Like I was like, oh my god, this looks amazing. Anyway, no, I liked it. I don't know. I'm rambling now. I liked the movie. I don't love it as much as the other ones. It, but it's it's if you like Lord of the Rings and you like the Middle Earth, the world of Middle Earth, then there's no reason not to go see it. No okay. Reason. Alright, I want to come. I want to go to Nick last because you. This is the closest to your heart out of the four of us here. Yeah. I know that for sure. So we'll go to Lance. How did how did you feel about the Hobbit? Um, I enjoyed it very much. I thought, uh, in terms of like um, setting, story, action wise, it had everything going for it. Uh, all the actors are really good in it. Richard Armitage owns. Yeah. Pretty much. Hell yeah. Uh, but this movie doesn't make yeah. him a star. Yeah, absolutely. You um, might as well just quit. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, him and Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman was good Martin in Freeman it as well. Martin Freeman, you know, yeah, it's like, I don't give him enough credit. Because, you know, he's there, like, even in The Office, the UK version of The Office, and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Very underseen mm-hmm. film. Yeah, like, it's a great movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. he kind of, um, he kind of, he fills his role very well, and that's probably <laughs> why you don't think he's acting. You know, I think I think Martin Freeman was born to be Bilbo Baggins. Yeah, yeah, but sure. yeah, but uh, overall, I, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed a lot. Ian McKellen was good. All the dwarves had their own personalities. I mean, action was the action was great in it, um, and the special effects were sweet. Forty eight frames per second. I'm gonna be one that says that I'm all for this, and I'd like to see it in more movies. So, yeah, yeah. Off to Alex. All right, um, I. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get continue. to more. We'll continue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do have spoiler section to go to. So, mm-hmm. um, 3D was largely unnecessary. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there were any particular moments that I was like, "Whoa!" There wasn't a Prometheus moment in this one where I was like, "I want to buy this on Blu-ray just for that scene." But um, I did. I did really love the 48 frames per second. I as soon as the like WB logo came up, I was like, "Yep, 48 frames per second. It's happening right now." Yeah, Same that yeah. right away. I was like, "You can, you can. Yeah. It's a noticeable shift in what it you is. normally see because it you is. don't get that blur that you do in in a lot of other movies." And um, it certainly does a lot to. 48 frames per second makes you basically. It's like you're seeing through a window more so than looking at. A picture, which I value. I don't think it should eradicate 24 frames no, per second. No, by any means. But I certainly think there are some movies that would be really interesting to see at a higher frame rate. I know they want to shoot Avatar over 48 frames per second. I think the human eye sees. You can 60. see like at 100 though. I've I really. Read, I read when I was reading about 48 frames per second. People said that. We could see at a hundred. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not Before sure what the. Blurry. Okay. Yeah. So. That seems high, man. Yeah. Hundred's a lot. I mean, I mean, I didn't see a scientific like fact about <laughs> I it. it. <laughs> yeah. There's a scientist about to. Oh, this is legit. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> um, 
60 seems accurate based on... Are video like, games at 60? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 60. If you watch like a sitcom, if you watch the thing is, it looks like real life. I, mean, mm. I think there's some movies that the 48 frames will work for very well that would actually help make the... Like, once again, we're going back to some, some urban crime dramas here. You know, like, if, if you're trying to paint a very realistic world and not, not as much a cinematic, but a gritty, like... You yeah. know what I mean? Like, feel like you're there. Yeah. I think it... You know, this would work very well. I think it just depends on, on what you're trying to get across. Because I... I did miss that cinematic feel with this a little bit. I'll be honest, because it does lose that cinematic, like you said, it's like a like looking at a at a portrait or a picture. You know, yeah. it's got that little bit of blur. But I kind of like that too in certain in certain ways. You know, like I can't imagine Blade Runner at forty eight frames per second. Yeah, that'd be. It would lose that certain. I don't know if it would lose. I it would certainly change. It, it would. would be interesting, but so I don't. Know. I don't know. I, sorry, there's a place for both. That's all I'm um, I was worried going into it because I heard people saying that that uh, prosthetics and and effects and and things of that nature would look worse in 48 frames per second. I don't think so. Nope. I mean, we can argue about whether or not the prosthetics look good and whether or not the, the CG looked good, but I don't think the 48 frames per second deterred from any of that, in my opinion. Um, I, and, and to tell you the truth, when I saw the trailer, because this is back when I was still watching trailers, when I saw the trailer for The Hobbit, I thought the dwarves looked pretty stupid. But I don't know if I like got used to it or what happened, but this time around I was like, all right, it looks good to me. I'm okay with this. So, and, that, and maybe it was the 48 frames per second. Maybe if we went and saw it in 24, it would have been, I would have thought differently. But anyway, I like the 48 frames per second. Um, not for everything, but it'll be interesting to see how it's used in the future. Um, as I said, Martin Freeman as Bill Bobaggins, downright amazing. Martin Freeman's one of those people that you can watch every single little of ex- little expression on his face and get some sort of emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the dwarves, the dwarves are they feel there's so many of them that it's hard to get a real good feel of all of them. It's too bad, and they have such similar names too. On top of that, like yeah, Philly, Killy, Owen, Glory, Glory, Dory, Glory. Glory. Yeah, Dory, Nori, Biffer, Bofer, Bomber. <laughs> yeah. Which one's so, the super fat one with the awesome bald spot? Bomber. That guy's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's got tons of tons of play in the book, too, and in the movie he really didn't do anything else. But just eats a lot. <laughs> Falls down. Falls on people. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yeah, character-wise, I mean, there's a lot of characters, and it gets a little spread thin, but uh, certainly for Bilbo, as it stands, Bilbo's fully realized, I think, very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, Gandalf, amazing as always. Um, I'm trying to... Thorin, awesome. Yeah. Thorin Oakenshield. I totally... I've read The Hobbit before. Mm-hmm. It's been so long, though. And, like, seeing the the origin of Oakenshield <laughs> was awesome. Mm-hmm. I thought cool. that was a really cool moment in the movie. Um, I'm trying to steer around spoilers, because there are a few things that I want to talk about sure. specifically. But um, I thought the movie ended in in a good place, better than I thought mm-hmm. it would. I was like, where are they really going to split the story up? But it was a pretty perfect place. It didn't. I, it was yeah. not where I initially wanted it to end, but it was pretty perfect. And yeah. you know, you know ending. the book the best, Nick. Is that pretty much a third of the way into the book? If you had to guess, 
or is it further? Not I as thought far? it was more, but it's like further. I said, it's been it's a long time. More halfway point. See, I think that they. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little. It's probably about halfway. Okay. It's okay. close. I mean, it was it was a great place. It was a great choice of yeah. where to end. It's been a long time since I've read it, so like years. Yeah. So I I couldn't remember. We were talking about it, and I think we both were kind of like, yeah, I think it's about halfway. Yeah. Um. But yeah, other than that, I mean, there wasn't a lot that I didn't like. I the movie is very long, but I was talking to Willie about it a little bit, and we didn't go into specifics. But I was basically just like, I don't know where I would want to cut things out. I didn't. We'll feel talk it about at that. All. Like, I, that's the thing is that it did I you know I did end up checking my phone to see what time it is which is not something that I normally do if I'm like you know completely sucked into a movie but it it did not feel like the two hours and how many ever minutes it actually it is two forty three two forty three it did it doesn't feel like that but it still feels like it drags a bit pacing wise but yeah I agree there's some weirdness so Nick why don't why don't you get into your your thoughts. As the resident Tolkien Hobbit expert, without spoilers. Yes. See, the thing is, I'm You're not Hobbitus. really, I'm not really a Tolkien expert, but I'm definitely a Hobbit expert. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, we'll go. We'll go with like the I've Hobbit read, expert. Then. I was telling Lance when after the movie was over. I think I think we talked a little bit about it. The, the, I've, the Hobbit damsel. No, it doesn't work. This no, time Van. Right. D- no. Okay. Anyway, excuse me. <laughs> uh, I've read The Hobbit numerous times myself, and it was one of the first books I remember my dad reading to me and my brother when we were learning how to read. Okay. And when we were kids, he would read The Hobbit to us, and it was always this really... Uh, I feel like Tolkien's a weird place to start to learn how to read. It is. My dad. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was always a really fun book to have him read, because he would sometimes use different voices for different characters, so cool. and he would sing the songs, because yeah. the songs are written in the book. Yeah. They're all written out. Isn't that just a magical moment in your childhood when your parents read to you? It's kind God, of awesome. I miss that. But, James um, and the Giant Peach was mine, by the way. Just throwing it out there. It's a great book. Good yeah. movie, too. Yeah. Movie Silic. It's so good. You got it. <laughs> uh, but I'm really anxious to see it with my dad, actually. He hasn't seen it yet, and I'm, I want to take him to go see it. Um, God, we're, I'm trying to keep just out of the just the basics, though. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. I mean, I thought the first act is definitely where they take the most liberties, being okay. with the whole bookending thing with yeah, which I was totally fine with. Um, it was very, very. I definitely got goosebumps when it said the Hobbit and like the familiar theme kind of wound in, and seeing Elijah Wood was really cool. Yeah, and I was instantly very nostalgic. But the uh, the whole the whole big backstory of uh, what happened to the dwarves and everything was really cool. Yeah. The dwarven city was amazing looking. Yeah. I mean, I was like, it made me want to go play Skyrim really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was gorgeous. Um, <clears throat> but. Uh, the overall, I guess the technology is the biggest thing to talk about. I am like the total inverse of you, Alex. I thought the 3D was awesome, and I did not like the 48. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I mean, I I, did, and I didn't hate the 3D. I just felt like it was, you know, I I liked. I found myself watching it and about halfway through. I was already planning my next viewing, and I was like, I want to see it in 3D again, kind of, because I okay. really liked. I liked it was like it reminded me of seeing Toy Story 3 in 3D where it was I never noticed it was 3D until I actively took the glasses off and then I was like I just loved the depth that it added to all the shots like a lot of just a lot of composition was really evident but at the same time the problem is with shooting in 48 they had to break a lot of rules with how they shot and so you didn't necessarily have a ton of foreground midground and background you'd have just a lot of foreground or a lot of background and <clears throat> that was kind of weird I don't know if they did that because it was in 48. Well, with 48, they, they had all sorts of depth of field weirdness. They It changed 
it changes what the what the yeah. lenses can focus on and it basically effectively gives you massive depth of field so if you know there weren't a ton of rack focuses in the movie or like any real shallow depth of field and when there was you would notice it like there was one big ass rack focus i think from galadriel to gandalf and i remember noticing it that was beautiful because there were like no more um and plus it also restricted having two cameras shooting simultaneously have building a big rig like that restricts what you can do with the camera so there wasn't a ton of really exciting camera movement a lot of it was definitely done in cgi which is fine but there there was one shot I remember thinking that was really, really, really cool. And I... Oh, it was the shot uh, when they entered Rivendell. And it was the overhead on the bridge, and it went over the bridge, and they all walked under. And then it came all the way down, and it picked up with Bilbo, and then it followed him and did, like, this cool Steadicam thing up, like, around him. It was clearly, like, a big, cool crane yeah. shot, but it was so cool. And I, I didn't notice uh, a lot of shots like that, which bummed me out. But um, the 48 was definitely neat. I, I appreciated the scenes it worked for, but the scenes it didn't work for, I wanted them stricken from my brain forever. Like, the first shot of Bilbo walking down the hallway of his house, I was like, ah! I seem like, like he's it, a little hyper. It just, it looks like, I mean, all right, having used to work at the video store, I'd watch a lot of R3s I didn't necessarily really want to see, and I would watch them on, with subtitles on, on like 1.5 times speed to get through the movie <laughs> in like half the time. That's exactly what it looks like. Like, it looks like things are in fast motion. And sometimes dialogue looks slightly out of sync. And I know it's not, but it's my brain being like, what, what is this? What are you doing? So I don't, I'm not ruling it out, but I definitely will, I will probably see the sequels in 24. But at the same time, it's kind of a drag because somebody made a great point that with The Hobbit, it's a new, it's a new franchise. It's the world as it exists before this great evil so it's it's a whole different type of story, so a whole different type of look is totally okay. Because my initial argument for not wanting to see it, I wanted to see it in 2D, I wanted to see it 24. Mm. And I was like, I've never seen a Lord of the Rings movie like that in, in other formats. And someone goes, well, it's totally different, though, thematically. It is, yeah. As well as, you know, the technology. And so I was like, you know what, that's a pretty good argument. I was like, so I'll try it out. And I, I liked it. I, I didn't think... The 48, when it worked, it, it works, man. Yeah. I mean... Really? Oh, yeah. So any this, of the aerial yeah. shots, anything CGI-heavy, it just looks amazing. Yeah, the CGI does look good <clears throat> with it. it does, I never... I didn't say, see any bendy swords. I didn't see there any There was one spot where the CG looked weird to me. It was <laughs> one of the wargs jumping at the camera. For whatever reason, the, that specific warg looked weird. Like, it didn't look as polished as the other ones. I know it seems strange. I don't know if it was because... I thought the plates, when they were throwing the dishes and bowls, they were clearly, like, the fakest thing ever. Like, they look, like, unrendered, like, like they still have, like, key lines on them for where to... I mean, it I didn't have terrible. any problems with it, but... but. I, I think one of the biggest things between what made me... The experience probably could have gone one of two ways. It could have gone how it actually went with me, or it could have gone how you felt. And I think... In that first minute, probably that exact scene where you're talking about Bilbo walking through the hallway, I was—I basically told my brain, I know it looks fast, but it's not. Yeah, I tried to. It didn't listen. <laughs> yeah. So, it took like, I mean, I definitely got used to it. It was around the point when, after the whole prologue is over, and for some action scenes, it works, it works really fine. Um, like I remember thinking the shots of Thorin running around the battlements telling, you know, announcing there was a dragon, all that yeah. looked cool. But when it showed, like, the village of, like, men, as soon as you get the handheld, like, Saving Private Ryan-style shots, yeah. it looks bad. Yeah. I was like, it looks like it's in fast motion. Then then it started to look like an A&E history reenactment. And I don't think those shots really have a place in a movie like this, in my opinion, but... And that's the, that, that's what's kind of the shame about the new technologies. It's, it's really cool, 
but I'm I'm just worried about what it could potentially... As people learn the drawbacks of it, the things you can't do with it, it makes me worry that it's going to impact movies in a, in, a, in a negative way. I would be interested to see what... Because I know that the guy who makes the red cameras, the founder of Oakley, mm-hmm. um, I know that he works very closely with filmmakers to make a camera that they want to use oh, yeah. There's, um, it would be interested to see what he can figure out yeah. how to do in order to make these mm-hmm. in order to transition 48 frames per second into something that mm-hmm. could capture the same depth of field like you're saying mm-hmm. in a similar way i think i'm it's it's a problem i'm not sure there actually even is a solution for i mean scientifically there's are just there the the there may not be but another drawback i mean if if you there wasn't any like hardly any slow motion in the movie and i was waiting for just a little bit cuz some of it was used super well in the original lord of the rings trilogy like i will always remember that seeing that shot in the fellowship when the ring flies in the air and mm-hmm. photos like and you see this incredibly slow shot and you're like oh. it's yeah it's, it's the same shot it's same, almost and, the same shot happens in this movie but they did no yeah. like hardly it's a, it's a little bit slow because the yeah, slowest they can go now right. is like I mean, if 48 is your regular shooting speed, you, can, you can't even really do 120 frames a second anymore. You're 60. 60 is your slow motion. Yeah. That's barely slow motion. And doesn't, yeah, it doesn't even really have an effect. I guess yeah. it's kind of a drag, because I like, I like the things you can do with slow motion. Like, I will Absolutely, always yeah. be like, no one in the world will ever I say they, they weren't super impressed with the speed ramping in 300. The first time anyone saw that, they were like, whoa. I don't think, um, I don't think that was a limitation of 48 frames. You can shoot stuff in super high speed and slow it down Mythbusters. to whatever yeah like buy a damn phantom cam or whatever you need to do mm-hmm. but it's that that's not because it's 48 frames per second that's because that's not what peter jackson wanted to do i don't think that was limited by the technology i don't know we'll have to see in the subsequent two movies too what how like what he does with the 48 frames thing like too. you you essentially what you want to do if you want to slow something down three times then he's going to shoot at 120 frames per second and show it at 48 what'll be interesting i think is is like you were saying that kind of documentary weird tv documentary look that the saving private ryan shots had early on i'm like i know there's some this isn't a spoiler there's some more fights that happen in the other two movies especially what more more what bigger, people bigger scale battles and i'm wondering because there are a lot of shots like that in some of the Lord of the Rings fights, mm-hmm. really gritty and in there. Um, and I'm wondering if they're going to use a lot of that because it does look weird. It looks super weird. On 48. They, anything in the air, anything from relatively far away looks awesome. Like, all the aerial shots of them running from all the wargs while Radagast led them away looked awesome. But as soon as you get close, that's when it starts to lose its its frame of reference. Mm-hmm. It starts to look really screwy. But I don't know if we can talk we'll anymore see. without getting into spoilers. Yeah, we should probably move into spoilers. Um, so I think all of us give it a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. Yeah. Not necessarily the 48 frames per second or the 3D, but that's kind of your own personal preference. Yeah. I mean, us that's alone... going to be pretty subjective. Yeah. You know me, I'm a story guy. Once again, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Like, I know that you guys are a little more technical than I am as far as how you how you look at the stuff. I mean... But. Yeah. Especially more so Nick. I'm, right? I think I'm probably more pulled back than both of you in the respective fields, but more so than Riding you in the, the opposite ground. fields. Yeah. I mean, but it's important. It's it is important to acknowledge like what what technology will how it will impact the story. Yeah, I mean, sure. I think we sure. can all. I don't. I don't mean to jump back to the Saving Private Ryan example, but I think we all know that if the if the beach sequence on Saving Private Ryan didn't have those like 
crazy like 15 frames a second shots it wouldn't have had the same impact where it's like really jarring right like there's clearly i'll say i don't think you're gonna see many people outside of peter jackson and james cameron using 48 frames per second you'll see those those industry innovators like like cameron and and jackson and maybe even spielberg it's very interesting i mean it'd be very interesting to see the potential i could see guys like robert rodriguez jumping on the bandwagon for that or or shout out this uh, documentary called uh, Side by Side. Yes. Interviews yes. all those people. Yep. Rob Rodriguez, James Cameron. Yeah, yeah, the guys that are real innovators. And yeah, that. David Fincher. And those are the guys you're going to use. Yeah. 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 If anybody's going to use it, it's yeah. going to be those guys. Yeah. yeah. And, and more will follow suit if they think that that's the way to go. But yeah. Not Wally Pfister. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly not. Wally Pfister's like, nope, I hate that shit. Yep. <laughs> Him and Quentin Tarantino are just going to quit. Come on, there's no film left. <laughs> yeah, good old Wally. All right. Anyway, we're off track. Um, we're going to go into spoilers. We're going to take a short break, but come back after 20 minutes or so for some food for thought if you're leaving us here. We'll be right back. And we're back! Okay. <laughs> Alright, uh, so this is spoiler territory for The Hobbit. Spoilers. Be ahead. Would uh, anybody have anything? Nick, you, do you want to continue your thoughts in spoiler territory? Yeah, well I got well I had a good train of thought going before it was obliterated. <laughs> um, Shut up, I had to pee. <laughs> um, I guess just in the, the broadest stuff... Um, I guess the most important thing I wanted to talk about, besides the uh, the dwarves, I think they they did get the dwarves pretty right. Like Willie said, they all kind of have different personalities. I yeah. liked the main ones they highlighted. Like they highlighted Feely and Keely a lot. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bofer, I think, was James Nesbitt, the one with the funny hat. He was cool. Who was kind of kind of Bilbo's buddy. He was really good. Thorin was awesome. They definitely made Thorin into a giant badass. Yeah, and uh, that was really cool. Radagast's presence in the movie was weird because he's not in the book at all. Yeah. He's not even mentioned. Um, he's in the Lord of the Rings books. Yeah. And he wasn't It was a little weird. I mean, his... But it was cool that they introduced the necromancer through him. Uh, that was neat. The, the Him with the hairs leading them, leading the wargs away was kind of cool. I want a hair sled. That's yeah, a rabbit cool. sled. Yeah, it was awesome. Hey. <laughs> um... But I think the biggest scene for me, the one I was looking forward to the most, was the Riddles in the Dark scene. Because that, to me, is definitely... Pay no attention <laughs> to the cat behind the curtain. The cat that's pushing a beer pong ball around the floor. Yes. Um, that scene really, I think, is the linchpin of the entire Lord of the Rings was, saga. That was the f- like the first scene that they filmed, I think. Yeah, it was super early, and which is interesting. But that said, it was it was good. It was it was really it was really good. It was definitely well done. Um, they played up Gollum's comedic side a little bit too much. I felt in yeah. the book, it's not he's not funny. No. He's really scary. Yeah. <laughs> and I hated the way that he was introduced in the movie. It was so lame. It could have been the coolest reveal ever. Like for people who didn't necessarily know Gollum's role in this, it would have been really neat. Um, because it, it, it kind of was lame. Because in the book, things happen slightly different. The order Bilbo is with the 
dwarves the whole time they're around the goblins. That was the other thing that was let down too. In the book, when Gandalf shows up and kills the Goblin King, it is like the baddest shit ever. It is so awesome because they're all about to be killed. And there's the same huge flash of light and suddenly they just see the sword. Yeah. Gandalf's sword is glowing and it just cuts the Goblin King straight in half, just right at the belly. Just flies in two pieces and he's like, run! And they're all like, ah! It's so badass in the book. And in the movie, it was kind of... The Goblin King was way too goofy. I was yeah. like, he's not scary. He's just he's silly. He's looking at his, like, thing. His scrotum. Weird chin <laughs> thing. Yeah. Face scrotum. And the, yeah, and the way he went out was kind of like... The way he just described that, that sounded cool. And the way he went out was just like... It's like... Gandalf, in the book, it's crazy. It was just... Gandalf just got him at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. And then and the the escape sequence was cool, them all fleeing. But anyway, yeah. Bilbo's with them the whole time in the book. And then it's when they're fleeing the, with the goblins, when they're fleeing the goblins, that he falls down a separate, he like falls down some separate chamber and uh, he falls unconscious and then he wakes up a little bit later. Yeah. And he starts wandering and he finds the ring yeah. all by its lonesome, which I think is way more important um, than seeing Gollum drop it. Because in the book, it's sweet because he finds the ring. He's like, what the hell is this? And he's like, whatever, a ring. And it's just the insignificant, the chance, the chanceness of it is what makes yeah. it so important. Because it's like, it. it's like they say the ring is, like in 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 the Fellowship trilogy too. I think they mentioned the thing that the ring has kind of directed itself towards people over the years. Like it would, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. in the book, that that effect is much stronger with him. Just hap- he just happens to be in that tunnel of this underground cavern at that exact moment to mm-hmm. find that ring, and then he keeps going further, and that's when he finds the lake. But it would have been so much cooler if there had been that shot where he comes to that lake and he's looking around and you saw that shot of Gollum out on the rocks and you saw him turn and you saw the blue eyes. Like, when his eyes are lit up like that, it's so cool. Because mm. the way they showed Gollum in the original in the Fellowship movie was, like, perfect. Just, like, these little hints of him and you just saw those eyes following yeah. them. And I was like, mm-hmm, that yeah. is... Because he's so creepy in the books. Yeah. And I remember as a kid being fascinated with uh, with Gollum. I was like, what the hell is he? Like... And he's such an insignificant character in The Hobbit in the book, and he proves to be this whole, you know, epic character in the, in the he's not, series. He's not <clears throat> utilized at all anymore at this no, point. No, he's done. No, yeah. Can I can I ask, um, did the moments of, that they actually played up more now than, than I thought they would, but did the moments of Gandalf saying the life you spare could be more important than the life that you take or something like that. Did that play out in the book at all? I don't think so. I don't I think, think that's a really beautifully poetic. That was nice. a great scene. It was nice. It yeah. was a great scene. The um, whole that whole like well, Yeah, because Gollum winds up well, No, in the in the Gollum, book Gollum saves his fucking nephew from essentially, yeah. Well, having yeah, to, I mean, you know, being taken by the Gollum's ring. Gollum's there. Gollum's the last person to hold on to the ring before it... He's the one that takes it into Mount Doom, yeah. technically. Okay. Um, into the fires anyway no in the movie that was good and there is a moment in the book where he sneaks up on Gollum with the ring once he discovers there wasn't a moment either in the movie which I thought was weird where he discovers oh I'm invisible like in the book he's like what the hell why doesn't he see me and he's like confused but there there is a moment in the book where he thinks about killing him and he decides not to because he just feels pity for him but I I was really glad they kept in the bit of him jumping over Gollum I always thought that was a sweet part in the book but um, and him you know shouting the line Baggins, thief, we we hate we hate it forever was like so good because in the book that was always a great line. I I want to say the the lake. I I read this book <clears throat> at least. It's got to be at least eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And the one scene that stands out in my mind from reading it would be the riddles in the dark, and the imagery of the lake 
in the cave matched perfectly what I had in my it head. It was pretty good. I wish, but, but if you've ever seen the Hobbit cartoon, which is fantastic, which is awesome, that was my first exposure. The Gollum scene is actually better in that than it was even in this movie okay. because it has more accurate to the book. Gollum loses the, he loses the match, and he goes out. He's like, "All right, I'll show you the way out, but you've got to, you've got to wait, wait a second. I got to go get something." And he rows his little boat back to his little island. His little house <coughs> is out in on that little island, yeah. and it's there. Bilbo's just kind of chilling on the on the shore, like. Hanging out, waiting, and it's when he hears Gollum like shriek because he can't find it, and he's like, "What the hell?" Mm. And then Gollum comes running back or rowing back for his life, and he's like, "You, where is it? You stole it." And that's when he realizes, "What have you got in your pocket?" And that's when they they flee. Okay, but he's trying to compress it. Maybe <clears throat> yeah, already yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. For the moment, but that 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 moment is so effective when when Bilbo's hanging out by himself. He's like, "All right, I won." And he's like, "I'm gonna get out of here." And then you yeah. hear Gollum just this murderous scream. But I guess overall, I wish that they they had given his character a better entrance rather than him just like walk into the shop. Yeah. Like, oh, here's Gollum now to drag away this. Uh... This Gollum. But it's really splitting hairs, I guess. Yeah. But that scene in the book is just like that. That is the whole scene on which the whole saga hinges. So I thought that that they did it. They did it really well, though, considering. I thought this movie was gonna end after that scene. I thought it was gonna end with Bilbo jumping over him, running out, and then it was gonna end there. Yeah. And I thought they'd pick up with him reuniting with the dwarves, but the. Uh, Thorin losing the fight to Azog was, I think, important for this one because he's going to come back, I'm sure, and murder yeah. the shit out of him later. And um, having the eagles in this one was sweet, too, because that scene was always cool in the book. That was beautiful. <laughs> Azog's not in the book at all, right? No. Okay. His son... His son, is, his son leads the army at the end in the Battle of Five Armies, which okay. I'm assuming the whole third movie is pretty much going to be the Battle of Five Armies. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the second movie will end with, with the resolution with Smog. Smog will probably... Yeah, the the, the smog will probably die at Lake Town, and uh, then the the dwarves will probably go up to their mountain and be like, well, "All right, we got our ship back." And Gandalf being like, "Well, Not so the fast. men want to cut too." And yeah. then yeah, and I think that's you're probably right about the that. the third movie is probably going to be really political. Like I already, I really get it now. Watching the thing the Hobbit did really really well was definitely introducing the political implications of who has all this vast wealth, yeah. and it definitely tied into like today. Like, are is there? Is there one person necessarily is automatically they earn the right to this thing, yeah. which anybody can technically reclaim? It was interesting. Kate <clears throat> uh, Blanchett's part in it. There was a lot of political talk going on there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That scene I actually liked. A lot of people were complaining about that, and I thought it was a little tiny bit long, but I I liked it. It was cool to. The only thing that I that was some trimming. Kind right of agree. Well, not not. I, I don't necessarily think about that, but you said last night that Christopher Lee seems a little out of it. He does. I, I they definitely did some work smoothing out his his face and stuff. You could tell because it doesn't. I mean, I've seen him pictures of him lately, and he doesn't look that good. Well, and you remember but I said just his dialogue and stuff. I said I didn't think he was going to be in the movie because he wasn't going to fly down to um, right to New Zealand. They right. filmed that in England. Okay. So to make it easier on yeah. him. Yeah, because he's not doing all that well from what I no. from what I gathered. I mean, I I he's don't know. Only ten years you, older than Ian Holm. You could tell he seemed out of it though. Ian Holm I felt didn't like fly could. out either. Oh wow. He didn't want to. Yeah. It almost it almost uh almost felt like you know, he was kinda losing it a little bit. I I, I just from what I thought. It felt like more like he was reading like lines from a script like Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, like I don't know. I, Ian Holm felt a little bit like that too, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh-huh. yeah. a little bit. Gandalf, uh, Ian McKellen was on point. Yeah, you know. Um, 
it was cool to see Ian McKellen back as Gandalf the Grey again, like taking orders from somebody. It was kind of cool to see him yeah. being like reprimanded for his action. I was like, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, because of... at this point we're used to Gandalf the White, which is yeah. a much different character. Yeah, Gandalf the Grey is definitely more of like the rogue wizard who's always off on crazy adventures mm-hmm. and things that the other wizards don't necessarily yeah. approve of. Yeah. It was cool to see that again. It's, I guess... it's funny because he actually gets overshadowed a little bit. Uh, yeah. Gandalf in this one. That I mean, was one of my other big beefs with the movie was it didn't necessarily feel like The Hobbit. It felt like the Thorin and Company movie. Like a little bit. The Hobbit was Bilbo was not in it as much as I had hoped. It, I think that it might change with the sequels though. It will. I well the second one yeah because the, all the all the Bilbo really starts to take take the show mm-hmm. in the second one. He's still kind of earning his. He has a little mini arc in this one with his burglar status. I, and, I like the arc of this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Him earning his place in Him, the company. Yeah, and Thorin having a little arc, too. Yeah. I think the scene between Bilbo and Smog is going to be, oh, so much better even than him and Gollum. Like, that scene's going to be crazy. Well, we've got two guys that work together on a regular basis. In the book, so yeah. In, in the a book, very different... Yeah. <laughs> right, he's the new Doug Jones. <laughs> in the book, it's so good. That scene is going to be just great. I, I really loved how they how they teased that, too. How they He was just hiding under all the gold. It was really cool. Yeah. That was something I had not. I would, that, I, as soon as they showed the inside shot, the interior with all the gold, I was like, Nick was gonna jizz j- his pants at this moment because <laughs> I love smog. It's gonna <clears throat> be so good. Um, I did not. I had never, ever, ever, even reading it, pictured him li- like just like totally just covering, covering himself. Yeah, I, I just pictured him just sitting on it like a big pile. I love so that gold. that image was so cool. <laughs> Uh, what the hell is that from? It's it's a gold, gold member. member. <laughs> I love gold. I love gold. <laughs> <laughs> overall, I guess I just talked way too much about the riddles in the dark scene, but it's so important. Um, no, I mean, that's... overall, no. I mean, the, the last third of the movie was like so, so faithful to the book. It was awesome. Like I, I distinctly remembered all these scenes, like the eagles and the riddles in the dark and the goblin thing was really cool. Uh, I remember reading a lot of complaints about the. They thought the beats, the humorous beats in this movie, didn't play as well or as naturally in the Fellowship, and I, I totally disagree. I think the dwarves all had pretty good chemistry. They definitely, all the actors seemed like they really were comfortable with each other. I think it was certainly more comedic, as you said a little bit about Gollum too. But yeah. I think, I think even the, the Goblin King, like his, well, that wasn't so bad. And yeah. His body falling, I was like, oh, yeah, what? I like that, and then even just like the dwarves themselves themselves it, it's probably just the fact that it gets multiplied by 14 as com- or, well 12 technically compared to what we see in you know it was the cool Lord of the Gloin. Rings did you notice Gloin in this one his outfit and his axe and everything are straight up Gimli mm-hmm. is it Gimli Gloin is, yeah. is Gimli's dad yeah uh yeah it's got the same gear and it is the exact axe That's I noticed awesome. it and I was like I think he picked it out of the, the cave troll cave okay it was cool to see uh glamdring uh gandalf yeah. sword and yep. and that for the goblin king to call him beater and biter was really really sweet because yeah. he says that in the book i was like oh that's cool there was lots directly from the book that was just really really awesome mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a more it's it's a more faithful adaptation from what i what i recall than yeah there wasn't really anything taken away are. just stuff added yeah, yeah and i understand i understand that i mean I, I know that in the in the later two he's talked about adding a lot more from silmarillion which is okay as long See, as I thought they didn't have the rights to that. That's been an interesting. No, that's what I've heard is that he he did film a lot of Silmarillion stuff. Well, I know for... half, midway through filming is when they reach the point where they're like, "We have three movies worth here." And yeah, it was kind of like we need to rethink our plan. Well, they wrapped up. Yeah, they wrapped up the first two. I will say to to fit all the rest into into one more movie probably wouldn't be great. I mean, now that now that we've watched the one, I'm thinking about how the pace... It did have a couple little pacing issues, but they felt like they were early in the movie. 
by the time they were hit the road, it seemed like it had smoothed out pretty well. Yeah, I I still... don't I don't necessarily agree with the complaints about you know stop start stop start all the time. No, I like don't I I don't I it felt a lot more fluid than I was expecting out of the people that were saying that it felt like Peter Jackson found everything possible to make them stop the journey. But no, I didn't I didn't agree. I did feel like there were some scenes that went on longer than they had to. Like, I, I did feel like there was some padding so there wanna, on his part. I want to talk about what you would cut. I, it's it's mostly that. It's mo- I, don't, I don't necessarily think that it's full scenes, but I think that the stuff with the White Council went on longer than it needed to go on. They could have okay. turned a bit of that out of there. They could have weird sexual tension between Galadriel and That was and weird. Gandalf. They could have they could have gotten <laughs> to the I, I think mean, it's, it's I mean more, they're two very beautiful people. They were lovers back in the day. I would do them both. There's a lot of lingering same time. on scenes. <laughs> when they could Eiffel have Tower. <laughs> Golden Gate. When they could have gotten to the point a little bit faster. Like even the opening scene with with Bilbo and Frodo was a little bit longer than it needed to be. Yeah. It was longer. It kind of felt yeah. like it was lingering That's there. That's true. And and the White Council scene lingers a little bit. Um, even even Riddles in the Dark lingers a little bit longer than I think it needed to. Now that you say that, I'm sure there are parts here and there that they could have at least tightened it up a little bit. And I'm not saying, like I said, like don't don't get rid of full scenes. I can't think of any full scenes to that's, get rid of in the that's movie. That's how I felt walking. But all the stuff, all the stuff at uh, I guess scenes of spiders straight up didn't. Dude, oh my movie. god! It was best so actor in the movie, the porcupine. <laughs> I know. I felt. Oh my god. No doubt. I was gonna cry. <laughs> I um, you know, but but that you're right. That scene, that scene they could have figured out a, def- a different way to introduce the necromancer. The spiders are gonna be in the next one. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mirkwood. There was the, Mirkwood stuff. the scene. The scene at Bag End goes on with them having dinner and stuff. It's. I mean, it was started out great, and it was, I like the all the stuff that happens. Yeah, they, they probably spent a good twenty minutes from the first shot of Bilbo to Bilbo. Going on, the they could journey. have trimmed another five minutes off that's that good, again stuff. That's, that's probably like there's a lot there. Though, a quarter of the book, said. though. <laughs> yeah, there's but a lot I, there even like the said. bowl tossing scene and stuff. I didn't. None of it felt. I, I know that these what these dwarves are like already. They just bumble in and let me have some turkey. Let me have you know whatever, you know. So I don't need that scene necessarily. A lot of people complained about the the singing, and I was like, there's the singing was sweet. This, the singing, like, like it doesn't feel like a Disney movie. Well, the singing, mm-hmm. the singing of the Lonely Mountain song was really awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah, that for sure. Cool. And I like that they used the Lonely Mountain song. That's the theme of the movie. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. like throughout. And I actually was gonna say, I like some of the music in The Hobbit better than I did in Lord of the Rings, which I didn't expect. I really did love a lot of the cues from the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you can. But they didn't that. overuse them, which the was rings. nice. No, they didn't. You never hear that journey that that traveling song that dun, 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 yeah. dun, because it's that's not the hobbit song no, that's not. lord of the rings that's the fellowship scene so but i liked that they had the the, the smeagol theme the, the golem theme. theme as soon as they showed the ring the ring theme and i was like Ooh. and yep. the shire theme was there when they were yep. in the shire and i was totally cool with that because it would it should have the same or at least a similar yeah. theme you know carrying through but i love the misty mountain theme throughout mm-hmm. any any time the the dwarves uh suck it up and start fighting back yeah. after getting captured that thing kicks in I'm just like yep. yeah. I don't care if this is the seventh time they've done this in the movie I don't care it's so sweet oh, yeah. you know yeah, but it was, yeah it was exciting every time and I can't fault yeah. the movie for that I was I was talking about this afterwards too I can't fault the movie for the formulaic feel of of this of this particular section of the story because it very, it very much is you know they, they get into some sort of bind Gandalf shows up saves the day <laughs> twice, yeah. and they all jump around and yeah. you know Part of that's Peter Jackson. The troll scene also, yeah, the, the the troll scene was also kind of weird. 
Because in the book... It goes on a little long, in too. In the book, uh, a little bit. And they definitely made the trolls really silly, which I was okay with. But in the book, um, it's straight up only Bilbo that saves them. Like, he just... He stalls them long enough to where the sun straight up just comes up. Okay. Like, oh! Like, Gandalf doesn't show up and save their bacon. That's one cool. thing is, cool nobody feels threatening. None of, the, none of the enemies feel threatening in this movie. The wargs, dude. The yeah. wargs do... The, I mean, the wargs do... The, the, mm-hmm. the goblins didn't feel all that threatening yeah. to me. Yeah. The... Trolls didn't feel all that threatening. The to goblins me. felt threatening in numbers. That's about it. When there were There's a lot just of them. so many of them that. But it's the scene, it's it's weird okay because it, they have to it's find this. Business. The orcs are always scary though. The scene of the mines of Moria falling was so intense. Yeah. I was like, damn. They have to find this strange fine line between kind of appropriate for children and still fitting with the rest of the. With with the other series, yeah, because like there's a lot of decapitations and stuff in this movie. Yeah. Like I think more than some of the Lord of the Rings comedic battles. Attempt, uh, yeah, some some comedic decapitations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, I I don't know. And Thorin's sword is amazing. Yeah, like I want one so bad. Just saying. All right. Which blade he was reluctant to take, and then he. It's so sweet. I like. I did kind of like think that was humorous about Thorin's character, how he's just so like elves. I don't blame yeah. him. Dirty elves. But it, it also informs a lot of a lot of why. Gimli and Legolas start off not yeah. really caring for each other. Yeah. And it actually makes that relationship even cooler, I think. Once yeah. we see all three of them and like see the relationship between the two races, I think it'll be really cool to see. Yeah. You know. It's going to be really interesting in the next one how cuz they there's a lot of there's a lot more elf uh encounters in in the next one and it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. Is there more Lee Pace? Yeah, yeah. We, need, we need Lee Good. Pace in every single scene. Evolving <laughs> Those eyebrows. Peter Quill. <laughs> um, all right. So the only other thing that I really wanted to say, the um, the the scene of the ring going on the finger and how beautiful that looked. I heard you. I heard you next to me go. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it it was gorgeous, and I thought it uh, it was so haunting. It was just really, really cool. I I liked that a lot. It was definitely like put it like twirled in his fingers a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah, and then yeah, like it. He didn't know what to do. He was like, he was just trying to catch it, and the ring was like, nope, I'm going on your finger, man. Yeah. And but no, just that, and just the effects of like the ethereal world around him. The ring zone. Mm -hmm. It was very cool to see the ring zone. All that (laughs) the ring zone. It was sweet to see all that old, familiar Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah. Because it's been almost ten years since we've seen one in the theater. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was very cool to instantly see all those familiar beats again. Although, as soon as the ring went on, my first thought was, No! They're going to know where you are! <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, they don't yeah. exist yet! <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Use that ring. Yep. Yeah. Be Kevin Bacon and Hollow Man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, any other thoughts real quick before we, we get out of here? We're running super long. How about Lance? No, you guys said it all. All right, I think it's good. It's good. All right, this Chaldean gives it a thumbs up. <laughs> this yeah, is this is one impressed up. Chaldean. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I think it was definitely a very, very, very I mean, promising. I was really skeptical going into it, though. I was like, oh, because it's the Hobbit. A lot there. of the reviews were very. Yeah. Oh, but you can't deny the technical wizardry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. In the film. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and just the scope of the story. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Especially Lord of the Rings, I'm still impressed by it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, still it still holds. So. Uh, they could put that movie out tomorrow, and I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh my god, it's still amazing. This one definitely yeah. lived up to, to all my expectations, though. For the Hobbit, I was Good. I was very pleased with seeing it realized. I mean, it's crazy. I think like 20 years ago, I was like experiencing the story, and to see it come to life on the screen was very very cool. And like mm-hmm. you said, Martin Freeman is just killer. Yep, absolutely killer. And uh, I'm really excited to see the next two. 
I think the way this one ended is really funny too because it ends it doesn't even feel like the ending of a movie it feels like the ending of a TV episode yeah it does feel like that because the, like when the it's like directed by I'm like enough. should you even have credits this isn't a full movie <laughs> yeah just stop just, <laughs> just, con- just continue it's like it's like a fade to black yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that on like Peter Jackson's Wikipedia page I'm like technically he's only directed like what four movies yeah, <laughs> not like news, not up. nine yeah, Frighteners and the Lovely Bones, as I said. Um, all right, so we're gonna take a quick fake break, and then we're gonna Are be we right back. Willie forgot to promise. It's gotta be quick. Grades. Yeah, we can do the grades. Um, I'm gonna give it a. We'll do letters or numbers. We're gonna do letters. We usually do that, so we'll do that. Um, I'm gonna give it a, a B plus. I feel good about that. I might. It's gonna. It's gonna take a second viewing to confirm, but I think it might be a minus territory for me. It might have. It might have been up there. Hmm. Feel good about it, A minus. I'll give it a B plus because, as I said to Willie, I liked it more than the two towers, but less than the other two. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Return of the King was my favorite. Fellowship's my favorite. Two towers is my favorite. Yeah. Inter- that's that's interesting. Fellowship. Helms two deep. towers. Can't deny Helms deep. It's the best battle scene in the in the trilogy, but it's not my favorite. All right, all right, all right. Next okay. time right. on. Yep. <laughs> Next time on. <laughs> Next time Lance is on, we're gonna we're gonna review Legend. We're gonna keep the fantasy theme yeah, going. Fantasy with Lance. Yeah, we're gonna make Lance star in one. Yeah, that should be a segment. <laughs> Lance's fantasy Caldean corner. Fantasy corner. <laughs> Caldean fantasy. Corner. Just list off all the fantasy films Caldean. Loves. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back, and to Willie for our food for thought. You guys' favorite example of a cast member or cast members singing in a movie, but not a musical. It's not fair. Okay. So, Lance, you're up first. Okay, this is definitely not a musical. It's a film called Shame, which came out <laughs> okay. in 2011, yep. directed by Steve R. McQueen. Starring yeah. Michael Fassbender. Starring Michael Fassbender. Co-starring. Michael. Starring Michael, the last Fassbender. <laughs> That's it. Starring and Michael. Co-starring Michael Fassbender's penis. <laughs> yes. That's all anybody talked about, by Prominent. the way. I, yeah, and the movie's so much better than that. Um, but uh, Carrie Mulligan sings in this film. And she sings a song called New York, New York. And it's and her her role is like she's like kind of like a jazz singer. Okay. Kinda, that's what she does. That's how she makes money. And she invites her brother to come see her sing. And she sings like the entire song. The scene feels like the entire song. It's like a really long scene. And Michael Fassbender's sitting there, and they cut to him a couple times during the song. And he's like not even looking at her when he should be, because this song and the way and the rendition is just like so beautiful, and it tells so much about the two characters, um, the brother sister relationship, because that's really what the heart of this film is. It is a film about sex addiction, and it does it very well, but the brother sister relationship. It plays out later on in the film when they're actually looking at each other, but it's cool that they started out, you know, it's kind of like, it's probably the second time you see them both on screen together in the film, and it's just a beautiful song, close up on her the entire time. I don't think there's a a wide shot at all, and it's (laughs) just her face, and it's just her singing. It's incredible. So that's all my, right. That's mine. Well, cool. n- neither of the two that I thought of have any sort of meaning like that behind them, really. But <clears throat> so I thought of one that almost immediately I was like, "This should be Willie's too." So we're gonna we're gonna go to Willie after this and see what his was, and then we'll report back with me. My first one that I thought of um, it would have to be Jack Black in in uh, High Fidelity. 
singing uh yeah singing some Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on. It's really good. It's just it's so good and his rendition of it is absolutely he, he's perfect. fantastic in school of rock too oh Although yeah that almost counts as a musical almost yeah uh, not really i guess i don't know but anyway you know the that rendition of let's get it on is awesome it's recognizable as like a separate from the original immediately but yeah it's really good it's a great so, movie that is sonic death monkey kathleen turner Very kathleen turner, turner overdrive kathleen turner overdrive. <laughs> that's the second name that they picked <laughs> Yeah. And they right. settle on Barry something and then Barry Jive in the Uptown, uptown Five. five. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so we'll we'll wait for my second one and see if Willie thought of it, but on to Nick. Are you ready? No, you're up. Alright. Quick couple Nick quick is I up. just kept finding kept thinking of ones and comedies. I for some reason the first one I thought it was vanilla ice and teenage mini trolls too. <laughs> yeah. he sings ninja rap. Yeah. But he's actually a performance artist, so uh or a singer. Um in the Naked Gun, when uh, Leslie Nielsen sings the national anthem, it's oh my God. pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, and then the only other funny one in Mr. Deeds when they sing Space Oddity, it's, it's really, really good, funny. And the old dude yeah, like, who just, really likes Frosty's voice, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's really um, good. You think I know just what you were yep, thinking yep. just now? Um, yep. <laughs> but then, like the, the the serious ones I thought of were uh, in Almost Famous when they start singing Tiny Dancer on the oh, tour yeah. bus. That Ooh, yeah, scene is that's so really good. I haven't good. seen that movie, but I know of that yeah. scene. That scene is really everybody good. does. I, you know what? Something funny about that in the trailer, I saw like you know the part where he's like, "I have to go home," and she's like, "You are home." And it kind of they edit it in the trailer that it's like taking place during the Tiny Dancer song, but that's actually how it happens in the movie. <laughs> yeah, like that the moment with the music and and that. Particular scene. line. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And then it's I thought of uh, in Magnolia when they're all singing along with Amy Mann towards oh, the end of the movie. What is that? It's save, a weird moment. Save me? No, it's not. Save I don't remember the name no, of the song. This name of the song. It's wise a good up. scene. Though. Wise up. Wise up. Yeah, I think it's wise up. And then it doesn't really count, but there's a scene in the German movie Wings of Desire in which Nick Cave is actually in the movie with the his band, and they're like in a scene. Like the scene takes place like at a bar where they're performing, and it keeps like showing them, and it's really awesome. That's cool. It's in a cave. <laughs> All right, Willie, the moment of truth. I have two. Let's let's see if you got it. The first one. The first one. Dance magic, dance nope. magic. Nope. What? Really? Nope. Man, Damn that's good. that. I that one almost counts as a musical to me. Almost. Kind of, but and I was gonna say. Uh, that's brilliant, though. Uh, Bridges and Colin Farrell. In Crazy Heart. Yeah, cra- Crazy Heart's also almost... It's not a musical. But, it's no. not a musical. But it's... but It's about musicians, but it, that proves that those were cast members that could legitimately sing. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe they don't 100% count, but I was I was drowning. So which is the one? All right, all right. So I now, I now have one that was inspired by, by Nick's uh, mention of Space Oddity. But the one that should be yours... Would be Rachel Vice indefinitely, indefinitely maybe. maybe yeah, singing I've got a crush on that is you. good. That is good. It's a really, really, really yeah. good rendition. Really that is cool. good. You can't even get it anywhere. It's only in the movie. It's not on the Matt soundtrack. Matt Damon in the Talented mm-hmm. Mr. Ripley sings. Oh yeah, Tu Vale Americana, some some in uh, in the jazz club. It's good. Yeah, yeah, it's, that movie's awesome. Anyway, okay, yeah. and then the one that I assume Lance yeah. chimed or <laughs> we're on the same wavelength here, but anything Sue George in The Life Aquatic. Oh, uh, yeah. So good. Why didn't I think of that? So good. Yeah. I didn't yeah, think I of it until you said so. Space Oddity. Yeah. But speaking oh of Bill Murray God. movies, when him and uh, ScarJo 
are singing karaoke in Japan oh, and lost yeah. in translation. Her, yeah, that's a lot of fun too. There's a moment in Pushing Daisies where Kristen Chenoweth sings some uh, They Might Be Giants. Oh, yeah? That's Season awesome. 1, episode Is four. Lee Pace in that scene? <laughs> no, he's not. He he's all the rage right now, didn't you Or hear? maybe he... No, he's not. But Don't make fun of my Lee Pace. Oh, yeah, and there's some scenes obsession. in... Uh, no, I know. <laughs> ...where the characters sing. I know that. But you know what else I thought of? It was Wayne's World. Was, um, yeah, the car. Probably in the, the yeah. most famous yeah. one. Clockwork Orange, Singing in the Rain. There, yeah, I mean, so there, there are countless examples. <laughs> now, of course, now we're opening the floodgates. Cannibal Corpse and Ace Ventura. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. they aren't cast members, though. <laughs> <laughs> they are cast members, really. <laughs> in spirit. In, oh, Airheads. <laughs> oh, the Lone Rangers. Yeah. The, lone, the Lone Rangers. <laughs> yes, the Brendan Fraser. There's, there's three of you, though. Can you the Wild lives? Stallions never actually sang in Bill and Ted, so... Can't too bad. That. That's too bad. We should have heard him sing. That's part of the joke, though. Is you never actually could have played horrible. <laughs> Michael J. Fox, except not really Michael J. Fox, because I don't think he's saying that. Oh, Johnny B. Gibbs is you yeah. from Love Actually, Christmas uh, themed. It's true. Yeah. Very, Very poignant. Nice. Yes. A Very great nice. time of year to watch that movie too. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's always a good time of year to watch Love Actually. It is That's true. Just a phenomenal movie. It mm-hmm. is. God, I can't believe I didn't think of the Life Aquatic. What a failure! It's so good. <laughs> so can't believe good. I didn't think of. Definitely, maybe. Yeah, but that she's she's my least favorite of of his girlfriends in that movie. Oh she no, makes me mad. I totally agree. well. Yeah, she is. Uh, well, there, I don't know. There's there's one really awesome girlfriend in that movie. Oh, well, let's just put it that way. But anyway, she's so good. <sighs> definitely, maybe. Wait, that movie warms my heart to to no end. I can probably put definitely maybe on at any point in time and just sit down any and watch point the whole time. thing. I could so just listen to the good. Clint Mansell soundtrack. I, I feel like the three of us yeah. just need to sit down and watch definitely maybe. Who's Ryan Reynolds, Rachel Vice, Ela oh, Fisher, yeah. Elizabeth Banks. Yep. Oh, yeah. Abigail Breslin. Yep. 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 It is a delight. <laughs> so good. It really is. Cool. And a delight is like the perfect way to it like, is. like say it. It is. Yeah. Maybe we'll play a, a a hot second of the soundtrack when we're done here. Okay. Because it's really good. All right. All right. So enough about definitely maybe. No, it's never enough. Watch but, it. Watch it now. Um, that's about it for this week. Uh, probably no show next week due to Christmas and me being in Seattle. Unless we maybe do something this weekend, but I don't know who's gonna have time for that or not. <laughs> definitely maybe. <laughs> hey. Um, <laughs> but we should be back with Django. Yeah, we should be back with Django. It depends on... I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to see it in Seattle. Right. But we'll figure that out. We'll do something with Django. Maybe for sure out that week. Uh, well, the week afterward, I suppose. Sure. Um, and then after that, I think maybe a week or two into January, we're going to do our 2012 wrap-up. Yeah. Top 10. Top ten extravaganza. Yeah, definitely. So, I would like to compare. I don't know if we all wrote anticipated movies for 2012. I know I did, I did and I, you did. I yeah. need a full list. I need a manifest. Yeah, but I'd like to compare where those ranked. Oh yeah, I no, can already tell you absolutely. my number one anticipated does not even make my top ten list. So I can. I I don't I don't know if I ranked oh. my anti- I no I always do it just chronologically, but I can tell you that one of that certainly. At least one, was, at least one. I was so pumped. One of the movies that will be on my top ten was just an honorable mention on my on my anticipated. Yeah, I've got a couple. 
Hunger Games. No. <laughs> All right. Um, Are you a worst, a worst list. Sure. Biggest we can, disappointments. Biggest disappointments. Oh, uh, biggest surprises <laughs> oh, of the year. We can. There's, we can. Some that really disappointed, but then some. Some like this was a good year for movies. I feel. I think. Yeah. I think we should all have our top ten. Biggest dis- one biggest disappointment and one biggest surprise. Yep. And surprise, I guess, could be in either direction. But sure. Sure. We'll go with that. Maybe bottom five. <laughs> sure, bottom five. I like making a list of things I hate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Lists. I like making lists. So I got the job. All right. Um. So anyway, uh, music and artwork was brought for us. <laughs> Or was made for us by my brother and Mr. John on Twitter. For us. Shut up. <laughs> From another dimension. <laughs> Connected to uh, what, dimension. What the, I'm not. I can't even talk. Go to our website, MidwestFilmNerds.com, and look at the post for our Twitter accounts. Um, email us feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com for any questions, comments, food for thought questions. And uh sorry to Kyle XY. Yeah, sorry we we didn't get to any Kyle XY. Is there singing in Kyle XY? Not that I recall. We don't I kind of really got a big inkling to rewatch that. <laughs> All this talk. No, you can't you. really watch it. <laughs> I already saw it. No. I've seen it all. Okay. That's, that's why I brought it up. That's true. <laughs> well, we're sorry we couldn't get to it this week. Yeah. Maybe maybe after I rewatch it all. But anyway, go watch a movie. <laughs>